Worm is a web serial by J.C. McRae, also known as Wildbow. You can read Worm in its original format by visiting parahumans.wordpress.com or donate to Wildbow's Patreon at patreon.com wildbow. This story isn't intended for young or sensitive readers. Readers who are on the lookout for trigger warnings are advised to give Worm a pass. For a complete list, check the description for all of Worm's trigger warnings. Bay. Buckle up. I hope you're ready for some brain damage. Oh. Brought to you by Fugly Bobs. Fugly Bobs for all your fugly needs. Man, I want I want that restaurant so bad. I, I'm not gonna lie, I got really hungry when I was reading that part. But uh let, let's to, to not we're getting off topic already. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Well, welcome back. Episode four. Here we are, arc four of Worm reading through this incredible web serial once again. And uh, welcome to everyone who's listening. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Let's go ahead and dive in. Why waste time? We're already talking about Fugly Bobs. Uh, as always, we need to get our initial reactions from our two first-time readers, Taylor and Kat. What did you think? There was action. There was possible teenage awkward romance. There was ugly fucking bobs i mean <laughs> the dick just keeps getting bigger and bigger for my boy wildbo i'm loving it <laughs> no i think i think this is a great arc um there was a lot of action and i feel like we're starting to get much deeper into the real content of like what we're going to see going forward so i'm excited to talk about it mm. yeah it's a good one uh, i Arc four continues kind of where we left off in my mind. I think we talked a lot about how for a lot of us, myself included, arc three was sort of that moment when we were reading for the first time being like, okay, this is a story I'm going to sit down and enjoy. Like having a lot of fun here. And arc four just really kind of continues that. Love the dynamics throughout. Uh, I think we, we had a pretty good format last time that I know we're going to probably try continuing just sort of moving through the arc chronologically, although I did want to shake things up this time and start with the interludes, just because they are not as connected as the previous interludes. So let's go ahead and get through those now and then get into the rest of the arc. Uh, let's start with the uh, purity interlude. Thoughts on, thoughts on, our, uh, uh, on, a, on a newcomer, newcomer to the scene of the story? Um, she's racist. Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. Definitely, uh, definitely Allegedly. brought me into the uh, BAFTA strikes because I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so like, you know, arms master or whatever his, we're com- we're going to come up with a politically correct name for him. Don't worry. Arms uh, well, for arms now. Arms master. Arms um, he, he 
you know, he's making millions. He's making billions. He lives up at the space station. But for my poor, poor, poor misunderstood purity, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, for, for purity, you know, she's like raising two kids, already got a divorce under her belt, might as well be in the military. She's like struggling out here. Yeah. But she's racist. Yeah. Well, she we didn't know indeed. that until the end of the chapter. Um, well, I mean, we surely do start out with like, aw, purity. Like, she sees her daughter as like this beautiful thing. Like, aw, that's cute. Like, oh, and she's a racist. Great. Well, Thanks for getting me all cozy and feeling good about her, Weldbo. She's very, she's, yeah, she's very sweet and like loving and wants to protect her daughter, Aster, I think the name was. But then when it comes yeah. to her son, she's just like, oh, right. Well, I don't, I don't think Theo is her son. Yeah, Theo is not, not her son. son. Yeah. Uh, he is babysitting while she's off flying around. Now, Theo is uh, Max's son. Max's son. The guy. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not yeah. uh, Purity's son. Okay. Yeah. So technically his stepmom while she was married to Max. Interesting. Okay. For that whole year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, also, whole, I whole, definitely put in my notes that he is because we do, he there hasn't been a reveal yet. I do have a prediction for who he is, but uh, I put Captain CIA. That's <laughs> what I think he is talking about. Oh, like I don't agree with distributing crack to the inner city, and I was like, "Holy crap! Okay, this guy's not good." Come to find out, he was not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is. Um, if you uh, so he's the leader of Empire eighty eight, who we know as Kaiser. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, white supremacist yeah, so he's, group. He's yep. the white supremacist leader. Yeah. Yep, that that yeah. was my prediction. It was just stolen yeah. from me, but that is okay. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I still love you, Nick. I love you it, so much. In Nick's defense, I th- I thought these did they not did they not call him Kaiser in the Nope, they never they oh. never did. That's why I put okay. I put Captain oh, okay. CIA. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I put I put oh, this must be well, Kaiser is what I put. And then I said Kaiser and Purity. It's more implied because he mentions leading Empire 88. And, and I believe in a previous arc, although it may have been subtle, like Wild Bill often is, it was mentioned that Kaiser leads the Empire, um, or leads Empire 88. So I guess I had assumed that maybe it was more clear, but that just might be my memory. Um, but also, uh, in your defense again, Nick, uh, uh, Taylor did put the pieces together pretty easily, so true. I guess we can yeah, say very that true, the, very true. As it worked as intended. Well, there you go. I think purity is an interesting character because you are very sympathetic to her. And there's also the, the, like the vibe that she is racist and maybe wasn't a great person, but is working on it somehow, but still hasn't gotten past all of the everything. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. how she sees what the problems are of Brockton Bay. Like she sees them as these people that aren't like her they must be the issue. Like, oh yeah, since all the crime takes place in black and brown neighborhoods, they must clearly be the issue. Right. Yeah. And she, it's not even just that. Like, she definitely is like, yeah, I go after that. And, you know, I have the excuse that I'm not going after Empire 88 because that's old co-workers and that'd be awkward. Um, <laughs> but but she does acknowledge like, yeah, like my group that I used to run, like run with, the white gang is also just as criminal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like she says, it's not at she... least, but at least they were fucking civilized about it, which I feel yeah. like yeah. is just yeah. a very like, oh, but it's okay it's the, when they're doing so it cringy. because it's, 
not the kind of crime that she's seeing on a, you know, it's not a defense of her. Yeah. She is. Oh yeah. It's just, it's a good example of somebody who, you know, as wild Bo does, he's really good at writing in the head of somebody and Mm -hmm. to purity. She is, she has taken the step out of whatever she was in. And, you know, that deprogramming or whatever you want to call it, you know, coming out of that, you don't just turn off the racist switch. Right. Um, but, uh, but I think she's a good example of that. I do think that it, he does a very good job of showing that it's not a racist switch. Um, I, cause I think most of the time in these like racist, when you're talking about it or discussing it, it's always you are racist or you are not. And I think that this is an awesome example um, of just showing how people can change and just also like, okay, I'm not, I'm not in this environment to where I'm constantly surrounded by these negative things. And now that I'm out and seeing the world, I'm learning and I'm progressing and we might possibly get some redemption there. Um, but she is definitely, definitely still in the racism, but, um, but I could definitely see, you know, her branching out from this and possibly having some type of redemption. Here's a, here's a thought that occurred to me too. I think that Purity's interlude is interesting that it's here. Probably, I don't know if Wild Bo is thinking this way. Who knows? Um, it may have just been to introduce Kaiser and Purity and those characters. However, I think that Purity forms an interesting parallel to Taylor, Skitter. Mm. Because Purity, at least at the beginning, she's like, look, I want to try to do better. I'm trying to clean things up. Yeah, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm I'm not doing everything I could be doing, but I'm going to try. And so she goes to Max to Kaiser and says, look, I need your help. He says, well, why don't you just join me? He might not like how I do it, but I am going to make the city a better place. It's kind of this perverted Mm -hmm. and obviously much worse uh, twist on the way that Taylor's kind of thinking, which Armsmaster called her out for the last arc where he's like, well, you're just going to run around with a bunch of villains and hope you can, you know, turn them in someday. Like Taylor, what are you really thinking here? Um, and so it's kind of this interesting, I think, comparison between Purity's motivations and then her kind of succumbing to Max's, uh, you know, charm and charisma and uh, Taylor sort of also struggling with, as we see in this arc, really becoming friends with the Undersiders, who mm-hmm. one day she still supposedly wants to turn in. So, right. Yeah. She's still the double agent, as it were. Yeah, exactly. And very good placement on Wildbow's point, because for those of you reading online, you have four six, you're going to have your interlude with Purity, and then you'll have four seven. So the entire battle, mm. the entire battle, which we'll get into, I just assumed that Empire 88 was going to show up because he introduced these characters. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely get to that. And that's a, uh, Nick, that's a good kind of segue too in terms of parallels to Taylor as a character. Because uh, now we can go right into Brutus's chapter, uh, which is <laughs> such a great parallel oh as well. Good boy, Brutus. The good what boy. A good boy. Best what interlude, good boy. dare I say, of the whole series. <laughs> it's, I, I'm not gonna lie. It's not. It's not my favorite interlude because I have a special place in my heart for one other. Mm-hmm. But if I ever have to talk about how Wildbow writes in perspective. And does that to a degree that like 
you without names could probably figure out the character in the first page. The Brutus one is the one I instantly go to to recommend to people. I'm like, this guy writes a whole interlude from the dog's perspective, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just super fun. It's very well written, um, even though it's written certainly in more simplistic language. Uh, in a way, it still feels deeply complex, and you do feel like you're seeing things from the dog's perspective. I love how Wild Bo explains how Brutus knows knows what certain words mean, but also mm. knows how they're used and if yes. Master's looking at him and you know, just like or alpha, and I like I love that. Um, you know, bitch is the alpha of their group, I love um, it. but not necessarily of the undersiders. Yeah, and not like of the, the undersiders. That he knows okay. that is so. Mm-hmm. I love Ryan's it. alpha's alpha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that he's the scentless man. Right, I was gonna scentless say that. man. I love that. That's a good. That's a great point that like you get from this perspective that just nowhere else. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Mm. Why? Why isn't? Why is Brian scentless? I'm just—is that his, of his shadows? I think it's is because it of the shadow. Because, okay. like, yeah, in yeah. the darkness, it you can't senses, hear anything. Right? You can't yep. see anything. It's like it kind of but shuts guess, off all your senses. I guess that makes sense, but it wasn't like he was actively using it inside of their own base. So it makes it seem like maybe it's a more subtle. Like he's constantly yes. using it, whether or not he realizes it. I mm-hmm. think that it alludes yeah. to that very kind much. Of that subtle, so, yeah. subtle thing there. I would say, as we will just you know talk about in the chapter as well, there are other times where you realize your powers are going, and it doesn't necessarily require conscious effort. Yeah, it's true. This is true. But we'll get to that. Don't jump ahead. <laughs> we'll get to it's that. A, it's what we call a teaser. Just you know, tickling <laughs> their taints real quick. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I love that. I love that Brutus's the way that he sees the world is very like uh, scent based so like when he's talking about like the scent of the warehouse versus like the scent of this this like dog fighting ring area you know it smells like blood and pee and death and it's like it's a very heavy scent Mm -hmm. and that's like that's how he perceives different parts of the world as they're you know he's he's being walked on his little (laughs) jaunt through the world uh, but it's all in in sense of like what this smells like, what people smell like, what what the the world smells like, other dogs, what they smell like. And also, though, what a what a creative way of of expanding on what we know of of bitch's power as well, because yeah. like we we get confirmation that the dogs are trained. She's not controlling their movements. You know, Brutus. There's the parallel between Brutus and Angelica, who's not as well trained yet. Um, she can clearly exert her power from some bit of distance. She doesn't have to be touching them or right up on them. Uh, little things like that that were just that were really fun to read and sort of have such a unique perspective on on her power set and how she use, utilizes it. Also, I'm just I bitch is such a great character and I love this arc or love this interlude for her because who oh. who isn't gonna hate the character that's killing everybody in a dog fighting ring. Like it's just yeah. oh, such I a great it. scene. Uh, oh yeah. Her, her interaction with the kid, with the child is mm-hmm. something I found interesting reading. Cause she doesn't, she doesn't like push the mom away. She doesn't push the kid away. She stands stock still 
And Brutus, you know, sees that, mirrors it, stands perfectly still, and then follows her every command, you know, like guard the kid, bite the kid, but don't chomp too hard, you know, like all this stuff. And bitch just like stares down this mother who is on her knees crying and begging for her child's life. And she's like, (laughs) keep your fucking child away from my dog. Like, it's it's a great lesson because it's it doesn't feel like wild and crazy. It feels very calculated where bitch mm. is like this mother and this child will never forget this interaction and they will never yeah. touch a dog they don't know ever again. This will be so permanently cemented in their minds that they will not make this mistake again. And it's not just, oh, yeah, that one owner and their dog that lashed out and went crazy. But like mm-hmm. that was a perfectly well-trained dog, like perfectly trained yeah. dog and it is, was a is lesson. what kind of a dog is brutus brutus is a rottweiler mix he's a rottweiler that's okay. what it is yeah because yeah. he has a gotcha. dog tail that's yeah. right that's mm-hmm. right yeah because for some reason in my mind i had more of a pit bull in my mind but yeah rottweiler makes sense too i love too that he basically doesn't even bite the kid he kind of just swallows her hand yeah. <laughs> right right sort of holds gets on. her hand in his mouth like yum, 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 yum. I, I kept thinking of that video only because it was just shown to me again but the video of the girl with the bear at the fence and going can i pet that dog have you seen that i pet that <laughs> dog <laughs> kept thinking of that scene the whole time <laughs> i love it i love yeah. it all right. Any any final lesson. thoughts? Yeah. Any final thoughts on the interludes? I know we could we could stick around for a while, but we well, got to. Yeah, I actually I did have a. I don't know. Oh, go ahead, Kat. Um, I thought that Purity's power was interesting because it seems to be a direct um parallel or you know complete opposite to Gru's power. Um. Hmm. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And yeah, I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing that I feel like could probably play into how they, when they finally, because obviously we're going to see Purity later. We are, you know, we had the Glory Girl interlude and then all the, we had the interaction with Glory Girl and Panacea. And then um, I'm assuming we're going to have an interaction with Purity um, not too far in the future. But I'm just interested how their powers would interact together since hers is all light and his is all complete darkness yeah that is interesting they both seem to be kind of like solid forms of that too where Gru's manipulating this like solid form of shadow and she's manipulating light in a solid way um and it seems like too she gets her power from electrical lights like uh it when she comes into the room doesn't she tell max thank you for the power or something Mm -hmm. like that and they specifically mentioned halogen lights Allergen, yeah, 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 yeah. That is super yeah, interesting. interesting. Also, um, Rachel has an army of dogs now. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> she rescued a lot of dogs. I love it. <laughs> Building an army. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the arc itself. Arc proper. We'll kind of go probably scene by scene here. Um, Hannah, do you have some little summaries for us for like the first? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, we're going to break them. I've got them broken up a little bit. Um, so chapter section. So first we're going to, we're going to, uh, look at chapter one here, um, which Taylor heads into school, hits Emma with a zinger, uh, Mm. leaving Taylor feeling incredibly confident as she heads in, uh, to meet 
with the rest of the undersiders, um, which kind of goes into more of a category of two through four there, but uh, specifically this this interaction with Taylor and Emma at school. I literally put down, oh, so we just rob a bank and get a backbone? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank God. Thank God wow. Taylor's finding her backbone. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, oh, it's taken us long enough. So satisfying to read that. Yeah. And I, I do love the where he talks about, even though she was assertive um, and said, fuck you, Emma, um, just her talking to herself, just like, oh, well, even though I did that, it's going to cost me later. It really kind of shows like people stuck in like domestic abusive situations, like they are stuck. And so I mm-hmm. love just this, us getting to see that and kind of empathize with people that are in those situations. Yeah. I, uh, dang. Yeah. I, it also, it's weird because Emma really, clearly has an interest in Taylor beyond just bullying her. Um, You get the impression when she's talking about like, look at me, I've got all this. I'm, you know, I've got a job. I'm going to, you know, probably going to go to college and do well, you know, look at my life. Taylor, what are you doing with yours? And then breaks down, like you don't have a job. You don't have your friends. It's got that like kind of concerned, but terrible mother attitude like tone of voice Mm -hmm. where she's like, like, what are you doing with your life? It's like, I just want what's best for you, obviously. And it's like, yeah, well, you're (laughs) terrible at showing that. When it, it kind of adds to that too, because it's like the, it's like, well, why do you even care then Emma? Like, why are you Mm -hmm. tearing down this? If you, if your life is so great, Emma, why are you tearing down this person? Like, obviously there's a reason um, you know, there's reasons behind it. People can just be mean because it's a power trip, obviously. Um, but w- Emma bringing this up does kind of make it feel like, like, well, why the hell do you care about my life, Emma? Like, just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, fuck mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So I am, I am glad that, glad that Taylor finally said something to them. Yeah. Did anyone else catch the inconsistencies though with this chapter? Um, because I was looking through and. It said that it talks about Emma like basically having like a modeling career, but I could have sworn in Act One it said that she was a redhead, and I was oh. so confused. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was wondering where you were taking that. I'm like sitting here thinking, oh, did you mention one of her jobs? Well, hey, I took us deep, so I had to pull us out of there so that we could have some. Producer Michael, how do you feel about that? He's our resident redhead. I could tell he was messing with us by his tone. I was waiting for whatever the punishment was. <laughs> he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. Love it. My God. Don't worry, Michael. Of all of us, you you would definitely be the model. That's actually That's true. That's Absolutely. True. You were a gorgeous man. <laughs> yeah, can we just can we just make the cover podcast or cover photo for this podcast a picture? You know, of your Michael. I, I know. What? No, no, it's not even Michael. Well, Michael's it is Michael. Abs. It's yeah. just Michael. There we go. It's the this Michael's abs. abs in the Spanish romance novel fashion. I'm here for it. I'm here for and it. That's all we have time for. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all we needed time uh, for. <laughs> is this a good time to this transition? Is <laughs> this is a bonus content. Is this okay. our interlude? All right. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. All right. So so up next we've got. Um, I've grouped them into chapters two through four. Uh, with the under undersiders hang out together minus bitch. Uh, they shop. 
They eat at Fugly Bob's Burgers. They talk trigger events and costumes. And um, Taylor gets a little gift. Absolutely. Mm. Shout out to uh, all of my men that grew up with sisters um, and had miracles happen once <laughs> in a while. Just playing in their head, listening to them shopping. Definitely, <laughs> definitely a Princess Diaries moment. That was great. Mm. Mm, yeah. I loved this. I love these this set of chapters. Um, I think that it kind of is giving Taylor a chance to be a normal teenager, even though they're kind of obviously not normal. But, um, you know, she's she's making friends and she's talking to them about her insecurities and her, you know, personal issues and they're caring about it and. She's just kind of really seeing that these people really are her friends. Um, and I think it's, I think this is really sweet. Especially, yeah. How you know, sad is it that, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, Kat. I was just gonna say, especially prior to what comes next in uh, the rest of this arc. Yeah. It's just, how sad is it that she had to join the villain gang for her to have a normal high school experience? Right. Yeah. Like that's oh. so sad. <laughs> Backing up to a happier moment, uh, can we just go go back? I would need to wind it back to Brian. Um, just waiting there with coffee and and the best muffins in the oh, world. Bless him. Oh yeah, bless just a every man morning. who brings you coffee and muffins. Woo! Take note. Uh, can we? Uh, Brian, hot Brian is hot. Agreed. Hot, hot, Brian, hot, is hot. Is hot. Brian is hot. Agreed. Hot Brian is hot. This is true. Hot Brian is sweet. Brian. And then is they sweet. sit on the beach. Yes. And they read the paper together. And then she has this moment where she go, gets up and he's like, where are you going? And she's like, you know what? I'm going to school. And he just kind of like respectfully is like, cool. And it's that, you know, cool, 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 cool. yeah, cool. I, he gets it. And also, I love Taylor's explanation of like, it's not even about going to school. It's the same thing as the bitch, you know, dilemma. It's. I'm not about to fucking say like I'm done because that's letting them win and I'm not fucking having it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, do, I love to the interactions between uh, Tattletale and Skitter or Lisa and Taylor as they're shopping. It's just fun. Uh, you know, listening to them banter, um, talking about, you know, cup sizes and random stuff like that. And like, <laughs> And, you know, Lisa's like, well, don't worry about it. One day you're going to find a guy who thinks you're the hottest thing ever. Wink, wink. Hot and yeah. <laughs> exactly. Brian is hot. I think um, most of my notes are about interactions between Brian and Taylor and they're like subtle. Yeah. Flirting. <laughs> I do because they are subtle. It's like things that she would just naturally notice being like a teenage girl. But I don't know. It doesn't feel awkward or like right. forced or anything it's just it like supernatural they're they're just they're hanging out mm -hmm. yeah and and at this point they're still kind of at that they're at that point where they are genuinely friends right they're not like pretending to be friends but they obviously both have huge crushes on each other they're like genuinely good friends and i i like that it's starting out slow like that it's not immediately them you know jumping into something um, I think it, it does make it feel a bit more real too, especially for high school and somebody as awkward as Taylor seems to be. It, yeah. It feels more natural. And I do love mm -hmm. at the end of the chapter, she's um, 
basically sitting there having a great time eating some fugly bobs. And she's like, oh, but I can't have like, I can't get too close because one of these people is a murderer, um, which literally brings up this news clip um, that I've seen where two Massachusetts men are getting interviewed about Whitey Bulger. And the reporter's just like, what, what do you mean he was a good guy? He's like, he was a good guy. And then he's like, but he murdered people. And he goes, what murder? What murder? Yeah, and literally that, the, the whole time I'm thinking about Brian because oh, I, I don't know who it was. Um, I have a strong suspicion, but literally I'm just like, oh, come on. He's a good guy. Yeah. So, but we do I find feel out like later. it was alluded to in this chapter, like this one specifically. Well, don't, really? don't we find out, though, that Brian isn't the guy who's killed somebody yeah, else? Yeah, because we find out that he beats up the stepdad or the mom's boyfriend, um, but it does oh, not yeah. say that he kills him, no. They yeah. said yeah. that he he went to jail. Not not uh, yeah. Brian, but the, the boyfriend went yeah. to jail, boyfriend, yeah. implying that uh, he wasn't there, There's a little clever illusion where he the, Taylor asks a question, and then immediately it cuts to a character. Okay, so it so it didn't mm. say, but it okay, okay. Yeah, it didn't I, say. I mean, it doesn't say. I think I think it's just uh, heavily implied. I don't think it's that heavily implied, especially yeah, as a new yeah. reader. I would I would have to disagree I'll with Alan. Honest, yeah, yeah, I also disagree with Alan. <laughs> I, I I know I've said this before. I have read the book. Yes, I don't remember jack shit. So I can tell you, <laughs> sitting here right now, I don't remember who the murderers are. But I well, we know one I is like, Rachel. Yeah, yeah they know. do. Yes. They do talk yes. about. I know about Rachel, yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't think. I think that like while while there are things that I do remember that I see little you know hints towards, uh, you know, in these chapters so far, I feel like there's so much that I don't because I don't remember. I'm missing, and so, I don't. I think yeah. that it's really interesting how much she's focused on one of these guys as a murderer, and she's trying to trying to kind of sneakily deduce who it could be but she was so close to murdering lung and i feel like she just kind of needs a little bit of self-reflection on like maybe Mm -hmm. everybody else also did not know the complexities and how like of their power and how how Mm -hmm. strong they could Mm -hmm. be and that exactly. mistakes can be made just like she overdid it with lung and she regretted it. It could very well have been the same situation with any number of these people, but it didn't turn out the way that hers did, which was just lung losing his penis or yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so I thought you were going to go funny. in the opposite direction. We were like, I think she just needs to have some self-reflection and look inside and see that she too probably could murder someone if she, she really wanted to. Like she if she just worked on it, you know, did some <laughs> self-assessment. <laughs> she, she was, even, yeah, I could murder. I don't think yeah, it's going to be even, long. I think she is going to kill somebody at some point. That's probably. a prediction. Damn, that I'm is that a prediction? It is. A prediction. Oh, save it for the prediction. Save it for the prediction. <laughs> no, um, but no, Kat brings up a good point though, because even with Rachel, who is obviously like the most aggressive of the people that we know of so far, like even her, like, Brian says it was a complete accident. Like she didn't know what her powers were doing. Mm-hmm. She just was angry and upset and lashed out and it happened. So even like for Rachel, who we know is pretty violent, her killing somebody wasn't even on purpose. So I think that speaks to the possibility that for whoever the other member is who has killed somebody, probably a similar circumstance we could assume, but we don't know. And I do love how, how Wild Bo writes the sort of morally gray because 
it's Arms Master who who tells her in the last chapter, right? They're like you've got two murderers on your team, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so then you know she's she's wrestling with it, and then right they talk about Rachel, and as the audience you you get that sympathetic element too. You're like, oh, she didn't know what her powers did. She accidentally uh, you know grew this giant untrained dog and it killed people. Like that's not her fault. I mean it is, but you know the, there's a sympathy there. And then I love how so she's wrestling with that. And then, of course, we get Rachel's interlude at the end here, where she just goes and murders a bunch of people. <laughs> so like, no, no, she doesn't. She doesn't kill them, I don't think. I, but maybe I read that chapter a little differently. She didn't kill them. No, 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 no. Nick, no. Nick brings up a great point, because no, I, I read I don't this. think so. Actually, Brutus, in his monologue, is like, must, like, must hit, can't bite, must. Oh, yes, must you're hit, right. Must bump. Like, literally, right. pause, he is. not brain- claws. Yeah, yeah, you might yeah. Be, okay. been trained. Claws, not claws, claws. not claws. Right. Amen. Nope, now, I'm not enough. saying that she fair might enough. not have accidentally killed somebody, you know, giant dog and all, but at least from Brutus's perspective, we get that the intention is just beat the crap out of these people, but don't kill them. No, um, this is a fair point. Fair point. I, I misread that so, a little bit. I think. Yeah, fair I point. Think it, yeah. So, not to. Sweet. Sorry, that was yeah. probably was a little aggressive, but not to try and, and attack. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, it, yeah, that's good. Get that's passionate good. about these I mean, things, audience. I mean, we don't want to be wrong. There's <laughs> exactly nothing worse right. than that. Come yes. on. We're a group of friends talking about a superhero web serial. We are nothing if not pedantic about details. Mm, that's fair. Oh. That's a great point. I will correct the rest of you multiple times. Please do. I know. <laughs> Feel Please free. Do. But we're all kind of skirting around a big topic. Um we learned about trigger events and how people get mm-hmm. their powers. Right. I thought that that mm. was very well done. It also talks about the hero villain dynamic because you're essentially just undergoing trauma. Mm-hmm. Like that's all yeah. you're doing is you're having the worst moment of your life unless you're born into it. Um, but you know, privilege, which I thought the comment about, you know, the privilege that um, the, it's just like generational wealth or, um, <laughs> like generational like you know oh if your parents go to college you're more likely to go to college and it's it's the same exact thing it's just this is powers and if your parents have powers then you're less likely to need a super traumatic event to trigger your yeah. powers um so I just, we, we know that we know that glory girl has that tiktok out there with uh here's how i bought a house at 16 and because they can pass oh. it down genetically we know that just like p Powers are stored in the balls. That's true. <laughs> in the uterus. My God. In the ovaries. Oh. No, powers only pass through male. Oh, Where does it say okay. that? All right. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure Max said that. Well, Max can fuck just balls himself on the right off no, You know the what? Actually, Nick's, Nick's right. Ball, ovaries are balls on the inside. You're so right, Nick. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you. And he's not out. Maybe balls, maybe balls are outside. just ovaries on the outside. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Look, look here, extra rib. Don't get Snyder. <laughs> That's a deep cut biblical reference. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and this this oh, type wow. of this type of stupid conversation is perfect because it brings us into Uber and Leet. That is a oh great conversation. No, we're going to talk right over trigger events. Trigger yeah, events. Uh, we, we just don't... talked about trigger God. events. <laughs> this conversation is my trigger event. <laughs> <laughs> I have more comments about Brian and Taylor, so we're not we're not yes. skipping. Past I that. have comments about Lisa and Taylor. I want to yeah. talk about Taylor's trigger event. 
Mm. Oh, go for it. Oh, yeah. So let's get into it. The fact that she opened up at all, like we've been, yes. you know, this whole time, it's like been waiting and waiting and waiting. Like for what happened in January? What happened in January? What happened in January? And her dad's wondering what happened and she's just not talking about it. She's not even thinking about it because, you know, we're in her inner monologue and we're, you know, we're not getting that information. And then now she decides to open up to them. And I just think that that was a really sweet moment because even Alec, who is probably is definitely less her friend. It's like more of the um, aloof friend he showed a very protective kind of concern of like wanting her to stand up for herself or wanting them to stand up yeah. for her. Like we could help you with this. Like, what do you mean you don't want to do anything? And like, you're telling me you can't, you know, find a subtle way to get back at them. And I just felt like, even though he's aggressive about it, he was like, it was like a protective. I just really liked the way that everybody like had that conversation and how she got that, that, concern from them because i feel like that's something that has been missing for her from other people her age like obviously your parents are going to be concerned but to not have anybody at the school like the whole time she was getting bullied and no one cared and then now here are some people that care and i just and want to protect her even if she doesn't want them to they knowing that they want to protect her, I feel like is a big moment for her. Yeah. It's pulling at her heartstrings too. Cause Alec literally says, I wrote this down at the end. He said, then why the fuck are you a supervillain? Yeah. Whenever she refuses to attack them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, she's like, huh. she, she doesn't even hesitate when they ask her that either. Mm-hmm. She just immediately. Yeah. Like, she answers has it without a, thinking. Who? And it's such a great, it's such a great moment too, because it, it makes sense that she's, she has her reasons. She knows why she's doing this, even if it's subconscious. And the fact that she kind of has the, the sort of resolve or fortitude there to sort of uh, talk through it. And it makes sense in the scene because she's talking through her trigger event. She's talking through all of this stuff and it just sort of comes out. It's like, it's such a great scene of, of her, like her own sort of self-realization in terms of why she's even here. And again, I think this scene, as different as it is, just plays so perfectly following her conversation in the previous arc with Armsmaster, where like, if that's like the pinnacle of her trying to be, <laughs> trying to be a hero, and now we're, we're understanding her real intentions, which really aren't like heroic. They're, they're self-serving. Not that that's wrong, but it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a great it's a great little moment. I love the speed at which she responds. I do think that when she was having that conversation with Arms Master, um, I almost feel like she was having like the way that she was supposed to act, the way that she was like she's supposed to be a hero and she's supposed to want to do all these things. And then I feel like as she gets closer with the Undersiders, she's starting to realize that gray area that she could be a good person and not be a hero not have because just because someone's a hero doesn't necessarily make them a good person and we see that with glory girl and i get that vibe from arms master you know 
yeah, he's not done anything outwardly specifically morally wrong other than be kind of, of a jerk. But, you know, there's just, you can kind of see that, you know, oh, they're a hero, but they're not necessarily great people all the time. And I feel like there's that other side where people could be a villain, but not necessarily be bad people. Yeah. I wouldn't brings up like, I mean, for arms master and, and any of the heroes, like we now know Taylor realizes like, Oh, like this trauma has happened to everybody who's a, got powers. And, you know, with the exception of people who have inherited it. Yeah. Like everybody has had a traumatic event so bad that it's triggered them. So like, everybody heroes villains has something that's caused them to be the way they are and as as alex says he he just puts it so bluntly you basically just asked us all to share the worst day of our life yeah <laughs> it's like oh he's got some zingers oh, I <laughs> yeah. love Alex. taylor's just like oh you're right damn <laughs> okay um but, but it's interesting that she didn't even know that uh, that's not common knowledge that that's how people get powers is they have to be put through trauma. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting that that's not something that they would have discussed. Like even in her in her class, you know, in the opening of the book, they're sitting there, they're talking about powers. They're talking about, you know, capes and classifications. And yet that's not something that's that's known. And honestly, it makes me wonder if people would try if, if it was a more common knowledge kind of thing if people would try to trigger an event, you know, like try to have a near death experience. No, but I think, I think that's right because I mean, obviously, you know, villains aren't out there doing uh, interviews and things like that. And they, and they talk about how glory girl, everybody knows what her trigger event was because she talks about it in interviews and she's all bubbly and things like that. So for the public, it's probably a, a complete mystery, right? You have, Oh, glory girl triggered playing volleyball. And you know, and, and then obviously that's not how it is for everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna press X to doubt on that story that Glory Girl <laughs> is telling. Um, oh, I fake. I would not be surprised if it was at least a little fake. Um, I like that. Yeah, just that because be. of and I, I don't actually. This isn't me like putting in my meta knowledge. I genuinely have no idea um, or remember. I'm just thinking. I'm like just what we know about Glory Girl. What we know about her family. And what Tattletale revealed about her and Panacea, it's kind of like, is that really how you got your powers, Glory Girl? Or did something much worse happen? There's more. I think it meets the eye. I think it also doesn't necessarily. Um, so I know that they said that like, oh, people who whose parents have powers, they um, need less of a, a trigger. But I almost wonder if now, obviously, not everybody that has powers is going to be in a, a position of privilege in society. But you know that like there's, I just think about that Kim Kardashian meme where she's like crying cause she lost her earring in the water. And Courtney's like, people are dying, Kim. Um, <laughs> basically like something that is a tragedy to one person is not going to be a tragedy to somebody else. Right. So that is true. A trigger event, mm. you know, being humiliated or embarrassed during a volleyball game could be, you know, or, you know, feeling like, oh, I want to win, even if that's not her actual trigger event. But just, you know, bear with me on the if it was maybe that sounds like feels like the worst thing that could ever happen to her. 
versus you have someone like Taylor who, if her life was that simple, if it was just a fucking volleyball game, her life would be a breeze right now because yeah, yeah. The we go through her trigger event. It's like so traumatic. It kills me. Oh, it God. kills and me. What's the ratio? We'll go into her trigger event in a second. But what's the ratio that that's given um, for oh, villains for to heroes? Villains Is to it heroes. two to one or th- one to six? One to five. One to, five, one to six. Yeah, one to five. I think. Yeah, one to five sounds right. Yeah, just that. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Man, yeah. The two of y'all are killing me right now because Nick, because Kat had a very amazing explanation. But like when Nick said, oh, you know, I don't think that's the real story. Well, if we look at Glory Girl's interlude, what does she have a problem with? Freaking self-control. Mm-hmm. And so literally, who knows what happened to give her her power, but she freaking lost her temper. And that's the first time the public saw her powers was her like just having an outburst at a volleyball game. But then Kat's explanation was so good that I was like, oh, I can't. I can't let that be, uh, be lived down. So good okay. job. Well, was yeah. it was it a volleyball game? Because now, now I now I think I, was I, say, I thought it was maybe. basketball, but we kept saying volleyball. And then I thought I was misremembering it. Oh, well, my, my apologies. Sports ball then. Sports ball. Yeah. Sports, sports, sports ball, ball game. Oh, and it, and sports, it sports, is sports, two sports. to one uh, villains to heroes. Two to one. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. That's a lot. Okay. That's a lot less than ours. But dang. Of course, that's um, what the I, uh, I guess that's what the the public numbers are. So it could be different. That's right, true. Right. That's yeah. true. Um, one thing I appreciated because Taylor, you know, Taylor is you know being vulnerable, and it's after this moment where Lisa has pulled her aside and basically is you know bribing her not to tell about how she's kind of like slipped up a few times with her power, because um, that's Le- how Lisa operates. Lisa loves information, and she does not like giving up a whole lot of information that she doesn't choose to. And yeah. sometimes that's mm-hmm. that's that she got something wrong or anything about herself, really. Um, we, like, compared to, you know, Alec really hasn't said anything, but that's because, you know, he's being uh, punk. Uh, but, like, <laughs> Lisa is really friendly, you know, but also doesn't share her story. Um, but at the same time, she has pulled Taylor aside and shown a moment of vulnerability that kind of prompts Taylor to to be vulnerable with the rest of the group as well. Um, it's very interesting because we also have the lingering threat that like Tattletail's ability is that she knows things. And Taylor still thinks that she's going to be an undercover cop. So <laughs> like there's a lingering threat there. But also at the same time, like this weird, like, is Lisa pushing her? I mean, Lisa says as much that she's pushing her to be more, uh, to not play things safe, um, you know, with clothing and other stuff. But I wonder if that's Lisa playing some 5D chess as well Mm. (laughs) of like, oh, yeah, if I prompt Taylor to... Uh, if I'm vulnerable with her, then Taylor's vulnerable with us, which endears like us to her, you know, thus making her not want to be a snitch. And I love how too how it doesn't really get expanded on, but it's just sort of left up for us to wonder because because Taylor or uh, Lisa says, you know, oh, you're you're new, you're interesting. We talk about you, 
And like, there's that lingering <laughs> thought of, of, well, what was Lisa telling the group? What does she know already about Taylor? What, what doesn't she know? So it's, it's kind of that fun, <laughs> that fun moment. Also, I have to mention that whole scene with Lisa and Taylor as an introvert with extroverted friends <laughs> that scene is so accurate. Just, oh, Jacob, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, in a good way. Like it's it it was so well written that I just it felt and this is something that we've talked about that Wildbow does well and just and just kind of character interactions just feel so good. But like that whole dynamic between Lisa and Taylor is fantastic. They play off each other really well and it's a lot of fun to read. Mm. There's uh if we can move slightly to Brian's story um because brian being a a good healthy individual has listened actively he's said like hey i don't think you know taylor's shared with us i feel like we shouldn't just leave her hanging there so i'll be vulnerable as well once again a moment of vulnerability among this group he tells his story and um two things stood out to me one of course is the the absolutely savage line talking about you know what you feel during your trigger events and for him he just you know some people feel like on fire or whatever me i didn't feel a fucking thing just mic drop yeah which flows right into uh watching characters and their powers and what states they were in during their triggers and what their powers kind of associate with that for Brian, his mental state, where he was, he didn't feel a thing. He was, you know, kind of not seeing red, if you will, but he was seeing black. Like he went over just cold, no feeling whatsoever, and protected his, his sister. His senses were dulled. Yeah. You could say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he's hitting the guy with his hand, you know, with his fists. He's not feeling it. Yeah until later he realizes like oh there's smoke pouring from them but like you know like you said dulled senses dulled you know kind of everything's dulled and it's part of his power and um he thrives in sort of an objective calculated environment whereas taylor uh we look at what her environment was she was trapped she was locked up and what's the word i'm looking for like the back against the wall the cornered rodent she is locked in a, in this scenario, and I think watching her as we move forward, um, just looking at her headspace and how her powers work, also in regards to when she triggered, is just something to keep an eye out for, specifically when it comes to scenarios. And man, does her event, um, gosh, really did, I because th- I think, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but um, it talks about how these girls are just picking on her and then after that is when Emma befriends her. And then like Taylor realizes like, oh, like the whole reason Emma befriended me was to get closer to me. That way they could do this big event, which we just need to discuss because my God, it was terrible. But um, yeah, is, is that correct? Was that Emma? I don't because, believe it's Emma. Because it's no. not. It's Emma's not. a childhood friend. That yeah. was just, they literally don't even give her a name. Okay. It's just some random girl that's kind of nice to her. And then isn't after the break because the okay. bullies. Because that's have... what was confusing me because she wasn't named. And so I just, in my headspace, yeah. put Emma in there. It was a little but, confusing. Um, 
Well, but Taylor I, doesn't I will, name anybody. Is it not Emma? I actually kind of thought it was Emma too. It's not Emma because no. Emma's okay. the childhood. Emma's yeah. they've known each other. Oh, since that's right. Emma that's was right. there yeah, yeah. when she learned that her, her like mom, you know her mom right. died and that's she was right. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't know if that was like during that time period or not. Um, but I do appreciate the correction. But I will say this. Um, I'll, I'll say something funny just to lead us into it, and then we'll actually get serious because this is terrifying. But um. I will press X for doubt because I never in middle school, high school, I never had a locker big enough to get shoved into. And part of me was like, because I was just a nerdy, normal kid. Like, and like, yeah. Normal. So literally just thinking about, I was like, man, I'm going to get shoved into a locker because that's what you see in all of like the media and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get shoved into a locker. These bullies are going to get me. And then I roll up and it's like, the locker like ends at my waist and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. never mind. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> you, you also yeah, had lockers. half lockers. Yeah. We had yes. three quarter yeah. lockers. Yeah. Like we had one third locker sized, like the full length lockers for seventh. Oh, like floor to ceiling. Yeah. Oh, wow. Not floor to ceiling. Fancy. The ceiling would be really high, but it was like six oh, feet. Right. Okay. <laughs> full body. That would be a huge full ass locker. locker. Full like, body. I could definitely fit in. I think I I could definitely have fit in my locker and like middle school, which I'm assuming Ta- Taylor's a small girl. She's not. Yeah. She's not big at all. She's probably about the same size that I was around eighth grade freshman year of high school. So yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable at all mm-hmm. for her to fit in the locker. Yeah. Um, I do think people being shoved in lockers is a little cinematic. Um, a little cliche there. Yeah, but. Yeah. But the fact that they filled the locker with used tampons like so that, sick. like these bitches yeah. were scheming. That's yeah. like that takes yeah. time. Takes, the fact that time, they had been yes. collecting it and like chose to like back off so that Ugh, she wasn't expecting so it. Sick. It's just so evil it's so evil it's so Mm, degrading and humiliating and it made me so angry reading it again and just like the amount of time these girls sat down they planned they schemed they collected and then when they shoved her in this locker they stood around and laughed with other kids in the hallways and no one not one person came to help her or said anything like she was in there for a long time to the point where she had basically started calling all of these bugs to her unknowingly but that is just absolutely insane i've never i know of like i was never bullied in school in any way to this degree i mean i've had people where it's like they're being a bitch to you but it's not like it stuck with me or anything versus like this is like personal sociopathic psychopathic tendencies yeah this is so like awful of like i just cannot imagine like putting time and thought aside to make another person feel this terribly yeah feel this miserable Mm -hmm. and her and this whole this whole story this whole her trigger event is a fantastic example i think of one thing that that really sums up 
the entire web serial, but something that Wildboat does so well. And the best way I've heard Worm described as a story is we hear, we talk about stories, we talk about deconstructing stories, right? Like mm. for superheroes, The Boys is a really common example of deconstructing the superhero genre, right? Breaking down the tropes that we, we've come to expect. Worm is a reconstruction of the genre. And it is taking those tropes that have been broken down and not abandoning them, but rebuilding them into something that we can, that we're familiar with, that we're expecting, but, but not exactly, but doing something new with it, but putting a twist on it, but, but kind of breathing life back into the trope. Cause it is, I mean, the, the shoved in the locker trope is well, like we were saying, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's everywhere. It's, it's a joke now at this point. It's, you know, it's humorous, but there's, there's nothing funny about this. I mean, it is, no. it is brutal and it is, it is uh, visual. I mean, it's graphic. It's just, uh, it's a really upsetting chapter. Like you're not enjoying reading it. Um, yeah. But, but it's, 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 it's so good. <laughs> it sets her up, her character up so well. And I think another important part of her telling the story is, you know, we get that point where she was like, you know, I'd like to think that you guys were my friends and, you know, they're like, shut up. Of course, we're your friends. And Brian, <laughs> I will slap you if you finish that sentence is what Lisa <laughs> says, I believe. And Brian says to her, and we appreciate, or at least I appreciate that you trusted us enough to share yes. your story. And I feel like yeah. that kind of reaction is so important because that's only going to keep building trust between her and the rest of the group, knowing that like they didn't, they didn't, she expected a completely different response. She expected them to be like, oh my God, I didn't realize that we were friends with a fucking nerd or, you know, dweeb and this person's lame. We should stop being friends with her. You know, instead, their reaction was completely into her defense and completely sympathetic to her. And I just thought that was really sweet. Um, even though she had this awful experience sharing that kind of information with others really brings you closer together. Um, and I think it's also, I, they did this over, you know, dinner or lunch or whatever they're eating, but, um, ugly bobs, <laughs> you know, they always say like the, I don't remember where the, the exact phrase is, but, um, breaking bread with people is like mm. the best way to like get to know people. It's like eating is a very like, natural thing and people seem to be more comfortable when they're eating like there's something to do with your hands there's something to fill the void of silence you know it's not awkward silence when people are chewing because they're chewing you know so um i just feel like it's interesting you know eating together and getting closer together so yeah yeah and and she she really did go into this just like okay i am the good cop infiltrating these bad people <laughs> And then Brian's like, yeah, so I beat up my evil stepdad and I became a villain. That way I could go ahead and take custody of my sister. Yeah. And yeah. you're yeah. like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's a complete 180 from where she started. Right. And I think I wrote something, you know, because I I wrote down, I knew he was not in this just to be a villain. Because I'm like, there is nothing about him that says, I want, I want to be a villain. I want to be a bad guy. I've, I've had that vibe from him. Um, and from the others, I don't know about Alec yet, but I just got the vibe that they're like, 
fallen into this versus being uh, choice, their choice being be a bad guy versus like bitch. She wants to be mean to people, even if it's to the right people, i.e. dog fighting and people abusing animals and stuff. But she wants to like do bad things versus like Brian, you could just tell this whole time he's wanting to make calculated decisions, things that are going to like, he doesn't want to make, he doesn't want to just rob a bank because they can yeah, you know, or he doesn't want to just jump into things because they can and they're villains and therefore that's what they're supposed to do. It's more like, you know, if this isn't going to benefit us, if this is if this isn't going to make us money, then this does not make sense. Yeah, not recklessly putting people in danger. Right. Like his motivations are very like, well, we understand that this bank heist is to build a reputation for ourselves to collect, you know, these things for the boss. And our, our, you know, our intentions are not to rain down havoc on Brockton Bay to, you know, hurt people. But like, we have these steps, we're doing them, we're going to be careful, we're going to be smart. We're not just going to run in there and cause absolute havoc. Mm. I, so this is a set, so just a slight segue. Um, Lisa had said, like, in order for her to share her story um she'd need to be drunk and she said i'm not legal to drink for a few years yet this is the second time that somebody that is a villain brings up something being illegal and i'm like you you like you literally (laughs) just robbed a bank for more than forty thousand dollars and you're worried like you don't have a fake id (laughs) <laughs> that's a good point to, to add to that there was a uh an interviewer um that comedian was talking to who actually interviewed jeffrey dahmer in jail and he was saying that you know they're like hey jeffrey you know like a lot of your victims were black you know was there anything with that like did you and he like stops them and he's like whoa 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 i may have killed and eaten people but i am not a fucking racist you know what I mean? So it's it's, it's that whole dynamic of like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I rob banks from the man, but drink underage? What am I, an animal? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not about to get this poor waitress busted right. you know, exactly. for letting a minor drink just because I wanted, you know, a margarita. Oh, that's yeah. funny. I wanted I a margarita. See, I, I could say totally too. Margarita. Yeah, <laughs> I would see that. I could see it too being like. You know, they are villains, but they talk about risk versus reward. Of course, the risk of robbing a bank is high, but the reward is high. The risk of getting caught trying to get alcohol (laughs) is probably a lot higher than the reward of just getting to drink alcohol in there. And since they've done like actual crimes, they're like, we don't need to get our adrenaline run from, you know, getting some... Michelob Ultra from the gas station down the road. <laughs> it's, I just think it's funny because like with the Glory Girl interlude, that one um, white supremacist guy was just like, but that's illegal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's the second time it's come up. And I'm like, this yeah. is so funny yeah. seeing people that no have No one knows, knows the laws better than criminals. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Don't, you know, it's, you know it's the, the number classic, one rule, yeah. don't break the law while breaking the law. That's exactly what I was about to say. The classic rule. Don't break the law while you're breaking the law. (laughs) If you're going to rob a bank, don't speed away. (laughs) Mm, mm. Just adding adding stuff on. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to back up a second just to a personal favorite of mine for Wildbow and for the, just more books should have this in general. But I, it maybe, maybe it's the tism, but I cannot stand melodrama and books. And I cannot stand unhealthy relationships. People are in an unhealthy relationship if the point of the book is like that they're obviously going to show that this is a bad relationship and move on to better and healthier things then like that really upsets me and in Wildbow's case he continues to develop these healthy relationships or show unhealthy ones being unhealthy and here we have a perfect example of a group of people sitting around having emotionally healthy conversations talking about trauma and that just gets me hot every time <laughs> 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 and and I don't see this in other books. I really don't. Uh, it's, it's a lot of teen it's, drama. So it's, it's not. A, yeah, it's a lot of teen drama. And I'll read some more, you know, we'll consider like classical literature, you know, uh, things that English majors read. Uh, and and I'm reading this. And I'm like, well, this is just a bunch of miserable people being miserable and nobody's doing anything to get better. Mm-hmm. And that just drives me up a wall. And in this case, it's like these are, you know, these potentially could be, you know, miserable people, but they're trying to be better. As an English teacher can confirm most good literature is about miserable people who stay miserable. (laughs) Uh, Yay! That's why I love classic literature. Yay. (laughs) Well, we could talk about this for hours because we literally did. But uh, we got a huge battle. Yeah, you just get this tiny section at the end here. What 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 is this? This cliff note it says Bakuda. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, transitions into uh, episode episode. Nope, chapter chapter five. Uh, I'm gonna I'm breaking this into chapter five with the them at the lockers with Uber and Leet, and then after that we'll discuss uh, chapters six through ten, which. I want to put a trigger warning for my video for my viewers here. Um, I say this to my friends all the time. We are going to be pronouncing several words like Uber and Leet and Bakuda. I just want you to understand that none of these people are fucking real, and I can say it however the fuck I want to. Thank you. Please resume the podcast. It, it is pronounced Bakuda like Barracuda, and that's how I sing it in my head. That is canon for me. Although. Not to be again pedantic, but you said you Alan, you did just say <laughs> I pronounce it I pronounce it Bakuda like Barracuda. Yeah, it's so wrong, Alan. It, it did it, throw it, me I off. I winced. Bakuda. I was like, I wait, was, what? No, but that's not what you said though. You said I say you said Bakuda. Like I did like Bakuman, like the the stupid marble game. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um Uber and Leet. Uber Let's and talk Leet. about Uber and Leet and Uber these and screaming Leet. motherfuckers. They're adorable. Mm. Uh, they what just, a couple of dorks. Oh, okay, so I kind of love yeah. Uber because he's supposed to, like, his power <laughs> is literally being good at everything, and somehow he sucks <laughs> at it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, so it's, it's so hilarious. <laughs> oh. They suck oh, so hard. And their costumes. Oh, my God. Oh, it's I love so that. Great. I love their it's like so how great. they just are like, oh, today we're Mario. 
and we're just gonna dress up as Mario, baby. Like, we, okay, so like they gotta change it up constantly, but they're raking in that it. Mr. Beast money. It's wild. It. This yeah. is Jake and Logan Paul. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh god. No, oh don't god. say things like that because yes. that makes me dislike them. No, this this vibe to me gives off like the kids that do parkour in school. Oh, bless. Just- oh, no, 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 no. Yes, yes. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. Uber is Markiplier what? and Leet is Jacksepticeye. Stop oh, it god. right now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you love me, guys. Please don't hate us. It's so funny, though, because what, what's interesting, though, is that, and we don't see it in the scene, of course, because they're kind of meant to be the the funny prelude before the very serious battle that comes afterwards, which is a great contrast too, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, points for wild bow there, but it's interesting though, that we get the hint that they're, they're actually a lot meaner of people than they let on. The only reason our characters aren't afraid is because they're better villains than they are. <laughs> and they know that they can beat them. But, you know, Taylor alludes to the fact that like, it's not feel good watching their stream because either they're getting their asses handed to them or they're actually doing bad stuff to people. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, like you can imagine these are the kids who, if you pick on them, they'll run away crying, which, you know, they kind of do. But they're also the kids who are going to be like, hey, let's push down this kid down the stairs and film it and put it on YouTube as a prank. Yeah. And, and it's like, it go to Japan and, and find say, a dead oh. body in the woods. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> Another Jerry? Paul reference. Thank you very much. During the taunting piece where Lisa and Alec were just going in on Leet, I I literally wrote a note where I was like, I know they're all villains, but this feels like bullying. Like it it is bullying. Whack. It is. Your moves, whack. Whack. Your family, whack. I was just like, yes. I was like, oh my god. First off, you have no bitches. But it was like beginning to be like I now like I was starting to like feel really bad for because he was like Mm -hmm. shut up and i'm like no wonder he's a villain because i'm like this is gonna be like the kid that gets bullied to being a school shooter you know like it's just and she describes his voice as like high-pitched and whiny so you know it's like shut up no i'm not he has a weak chin and you know he's a mouth breather (laughs) i I didn't didn't feel bad at all because i was like leet is the guy that would bully someone to be the school shooter and then be like after the fact be like oh what happened like come on dude But also, they're yeah. apparently pretty well off. They're making a lot of money. So they make so much money at this Just point. It's like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. stick. Yeah, I think you're right about that one. Yeah. We it's all know it's okay to brothers. bully people if if they're rich, as long as the views That's are true. coming exactly. in. Right? That does bring up that well, does no. bring up a good point, though, because again, we're getting this context where Taylor is sort of enjoying mm-hmm. taking down people. Mm-hmm. And so even though she's kind of experienced what Leet has, obviously at a more extreme level than what's happening there, but I don't know. She's kind of participating in a similar activity. It's a bit, it's a bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also fun because Lisa is, as we've seen, you know, Lisa may be using her powers to, yeah. as I'm theorizing, to coerce Taylor into joining them by building up friendship. But at the same time, she can turn that on a dime and destroy the relationship between these two. 
Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she she is just putting ever taking every insecurity and kicking it in the dick. Oh, and just that line too, where she's like, well, "Uber, why you could actually be good? Why are you with him?" And he's like, "Yeah." In his voice, because he's my friend. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <God>, Uber. <laughs> um, I do think that it's important though that to note that like in Taylor's situation for her being bullied, she is not actively doing anything to these girls to encourage them to bully her. This is totally unprovoked for her versus these guys kind of walked into it. I mean, like whether you're getting punched in the face or you're getting emotionally damaged by like you walked into this fight knowing that you were going to get hurt in some way. It just sucks for Lee that he's going to have to, you know, Uber and Lee are going to have a conversation later. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but back to, back to what uh, Alan said a second ago. Uh, well, no, wait, maybe it was Nick. I can't remember. I just, I had to I have to read it. I have to read it because it's so good. Uh, this is at the end of uh, 4.5. Uh, Taylor says, I'm game. I was surprised at how excited I was. This was the sort of thing I'd put my costume on to do. Sure, the context wasn't what I would have chosen, but going up against the bad guys, I smiled behind my mask and reached out for my bugs. Like she is living for this moment. I like, okay. Can we talk about her taking down Lee real quick? Because Brian says something really that I really liked. Um, him. Good girl. Yes. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I know I just just clipped out. I know I just clipped out. (laughs) Kat, I have had this pulled up since the beginning of this episode and highlighted because I knew that you and I, all right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Kat and I, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about something that just... Woo! Lit our fires, ladies and gentlemen. 4.6. Thanks, I huffed for the lesson. Good girl. <laughs> that's that's Brian, by the way. I literally Anybody highlighted it and wrote hot. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, so I, I wasn't. Oh, I was Brian on, is hot. I was not ready for that. I was like, oh, in the middle of the fight? Okay. I know, right? And he's like, he's like, actually, if you're going to choke somebody, choke them like this. I'm like, Brian. Brian knows how to choke. Brian. Right? He's Mr. like, oh, Drew, we'll don't crush you know. the, the, the windpipe. And I'm like, oh, he knows how. Oh, he my knows how God. To get it if done. you didn't know already, Kat and I are, 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 are uh, connoisseurs of a good smut book every now and again. I go to horny Whoa. jail. Horny jail. Whoa. Horny jail. <laughs> we do indeed have that phrase kink, apparently. That's true. <laughs> Woo. Okay, I'm sorry. Wait, isn't isn't a praise kink just code for like somebody's nice to you and that makes you horny? Is that what that means? <laughs> it's a little different. But, this is not yeah. a therapy session, Nick. You yeah. can save that for yourself. Yeah, you can put that. Sass this is neither else, a therapy please. nor a sex education. <laughs> like, talk. this is a podcast. Unless we need to have the podcast within the podcast within the podcast. Oh, which mm. we might. We do. Oh my goodness! Three levels deep, <laughs> but that is a—it is a really fun scene. Yeah, because yeah. imagine being a fuck boy. You were being choked by a girl, so already you're just like upset. <laughs> and then someone teaches her how to do a proper <laughs> blood choke, and then she <laughs> chokes you unconscious. <laughs> so good. Two oh, things God. happened. Either he had the biggest, hardest boner that he will ever have in his life. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And he'll or, never get it back. Or he's about to go shoot up uh, Brockton Bay High. <laughs> I don't know. Which, yes. I don't know which. Uh, yeah. Okay. Also, I, <laughs> I, had, I, I, I had to take a minute to look at that. Yeah. I was like, oh, 
I wasn't. Oh. I just wasn't ready for it out of the blue. No, was, neither was I. Mm-hmm. It was. It was nice. I liked it. I like Brian. Do it again. Do it again. Keep keep going with the with keep, that. Keep up the good work. Yep. Very good. <laughs> well, I I think we should move on to the real battle. Um, yeah. And yeah. Can I just offer that we change the name of our segment this week from "What the fuck, Taylor?" to "What the fakuda bakuda." i like it because uh, w- holy shit yeah oh yeah jesus hey bakuda knows how to recruit but only no, knows how to recruit knows, one knows way how to recruit alan <laughs> yeah. no knows knows Ooh. okay knows? so we're looking yes. at chapters knows. uh chapters six seven eight nine and ten in which uh what i have written he- down here as the summary is bakuda big boom boom because Kablooey miss the miss bomb herself. Yeah. Just the horrific image of tons of normal Asian people wielding whatever cl- weapon they could grab on hand as they were strapped into a suicide vest. Yeah. Like, or, you know, had something shoved up their nose. Like they're terrified. Yeah. They're looking at you with terrified eyes but they're not about to just blow up except for that one dude. Well, he didn't oh, really God. blow up. I mean, yeah, he just kind of vibrated. He vibrated. Vibrated. Talk about disgusting. I, yeah, no, I feel like this whole arc has been really graphic imagery that has just left me with a ugh, like weird shiver and gross taste in mouth. Like, oh, that was not a fun section to read. Yeah. And I just, I love the, and I'm not talking about personality types. Um, I'm talking specifically the fighting styles, but this was definitely a type A versus a type B person. Um, because I've had in my notes, I'm like, Bakuda's like, okay, I got my minions. What if they, what if they come at me from different sides? I got a Jeep. What if I need an aerial thing? I've got a rocket launcher. What if I need to do this? <laughs> what if I need to do it in secret? I'll put the rings on my toes. What if I need to do this? And then Taylor rolls up and she doesn't even have a bug storage system on her suit yet. So she's just like, bugs, give me your energy. Oh, no, there are none. Okay. And I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, cool. I got my pepper spray and my baton. Yep. Oh, yeah. she has a handy dandy knife now. Yes. She and does the have the knife, which comes in handy later. And, the and, and a pen and paper. Yes. yes she is prepared. She <laughs> is prepared. Write that down. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So I will say, um, graphic imagery aside, I do want to talk about though, just how cool Bakuda's bombs are. Oh, yeah. They're so gross. And so who knew that there were so many ways you could bomb someone? Oh Lord. Yeah. No, we're jumping ahead. She gets, I think she (laughs) unanimously in another life. She just would have gone straight to the Pentagon. Oh, oh. Yeah, I think uh, Bakuda unanimously, are we all in agreement, gets coolest power of the arc? Yeah. I can agree with oh, that. Okay. Kind of like Uber. Uh, okay, well, fair enough, I, fair enough. I, I've, got fair. Some, I've got some powers I'd like to talk about there. Uh, yeah, I, I was like. going to say, yeah, and, we'll and there's, there. we'll there. yeah, there. there's we'll some other there. powers that are introduced. Okay, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Uh, so Bakuda's bl- like blowing these people up. I don't have any notes from like four point six onwards to the end of that fight because it's just her blowing up shit and she's she is um the joker 
mm. kind of at the beginning of the Dark Knight, but uh, like way more prep. Oh, like, so much prep. Mm-hmm. Like there was prep work for the for the Joker. Like he obviously is like, I've got a plan, even though he's like, I don't have a plan. <laughs> he's got a plan and he's been working on it way too long. Bakudo is the same way, except Bakudo worked on it for like, what, a week maybe? And just, holy cow, spammed the suicide vest button. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just the amount of contingencies that she has set in. Like, mm-hmm. she she knows where they're going to, you know, come in. She knows that Uber and Leet are going to distract the undersiders. And then she's going to come flying in with this Jeep. And she's going to have the whole place surrounded. And not only is does she have all of these suicide bomber, you know, brain bombs going on with these poor innocent people. She's got, she's got people disguised. It's just like everywhere. We're going to turn this way. Nope. Can't go that way. Okay. Well, we're going to go over this giant container. Well, can't do that. Okay. Well, uh, she just blew that one up. So let's go back through the fire and double back. Oh, nope. She's prepped for that too. Like she is prepared for all of it. And it's all this kind of crazy insanity energy but it works like it is it's working the undersiders are scrambling they are not doing well they are struggle bussing it all the way and getting blown apart as it happens for as prepared as she was she was not wearing steel-toed boots you would have think oh, that she would have you know okay well like, that's that's we're that. gonna put that as my what the fuck taylor <laughs> it's not it's not as oh, bad yeah. as the others but the mm. like blindly just Feeling yeah. it out as you yeah. stab as hard as you can. And I'm like, I didn't go far toes. enough. So you press toes. down harder until you realize, oh, I'm dug in the asphalt. Yeah, into the concrete. Like, what the, heck? what the fuck, Taylor? No, I feel like I don't actually know. Not what the fuck, Taylor. Like, fucking go, Taylor. That's yeah, a fucking go, Taylor. A minor go, Taylor. Fuck, but. Chopping some toes off is a little weird. Because she literally just got <laughs> fucking blew up. This bitch, she, like, she Taylor, got brain damage. Taylor was like, I can't see, I can't hear. I, she very nearly thought that her soon-to-be boyfriend, she thought he got hit by, a, <laughs> a, like, was gonna die. Then he did it, he was not dead. And she was like, oh, thank God. Then she blew up. And she's like, I can't, I can't do shit right now. Let me try to cut this bitch's toes off. And it worked. It worked. And yeah, I, you know I mean, what? You gotta give her she credit fucking saved everyone and she didn't even have her powers. So, yeah. like, her, she had not one bug used during this whole interaction <laughs> other than for the yeah. freaking camera to cover up. So, no, I think, I think yeah. the real what the fuck Taylor is what Taylor mentioned earlier, our Taylor, is that you don't have a pouch for your bugs to with yeah. you. Like what the yeah. fuck Taylor? Like right. that's the real one. Yeah. You don't keep like an fuck. emergency black widow on hand. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like or something. Cause I definitely, if she had just randomly cut toes, I would be like, okay, that's weird. But I'll call that a, what the tactics Taylor, because yeah. she knew the toe rings were there. Yeah. Exactly. So literally that was the most ACE in a whole move. So I don't yeah. think that was yeah. like a, Oh, she's like I so said, I had to have one. I had to have one this, yeah. this round. <laughs> And that this is under her like, yeah, it was necessary, but it's a little fucked up, you know, no. out of context. Well, in the in the realm of what the fuck it abacada, uh, can we just <laughs> her bombs that turn into black holes and suck oh. things back oh, in? Yeah. What Ooh. the fuck? That was insane. Mm. That was yeah. crazy cupcakes. 
her bombs that freeze explosions from other bombs. Like literally yes. I was reading oh, this just yeah. like, it just yeah. keeps going. Oh, I actually yeah. have a note about the freezing one was, uh, so, you know, they got that freezing bomb anyway. Um, Brian covered tattletale and like Taylor looked over it at them and he like immediately <gasps> yes. starts explaining like, yes. I just was like, Ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I love that Brian. so much. Well, no, it's so great because he he no, no, covers he covers uh, Tattletale, and then he very quickly, of course, as Kat said, he very quickly. Don't <laughs> don't worry, Taylor. I'm protecting her because Tattletale's costume isn't made to handle big, you know, big hits. Which is like it shows. Okay, of course, of course, I'm on obviously Team Brian, but like, okay, so it shows us a. Brian is the protector type, as we already knew. Yeah. Uh, B. Brian is is uh, a friend to all, and and loves everyone in this group, and treats them all like family. And he would cover them with his own body, regardless of who they are. And three or C, I I can't remember how I was numbering this list, but three, he turns to look Taylor dead in the eye and is like, "Don't worry, Taylor." Right. He takes her feelings into consideration. Exactly, so, like he doesn't want her to think. Oh, I don't want her to think. Which, and at this point, they have he has no uh, obligation at absolutely all. None. Also, is this Taylor's first time watching someone die? Oh. I guess it Ooh, is because probably, when the liquefied, yeah. because she was so distraught or like frozen. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Like she just yeah. like he died just yeah. like that, and it was. It's like it's everything kind of be. froze for her and like mentally she was just like, I cannot believe that he's dead, even though she didn't know him. And she was still thinking about it later. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe is this also is this also the first on page death of the book? I think, I think so. so. Um, yeah, possibly. Wait, well, no, 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 no. The mother. Well, well and we yeah. talked she, about she doesn't the... die on page, though. And she doesn't die she from a parahuman. She Oh, I was going to say we had the guy getting beat to death at the basketball yeah, game. Yeah, the basketball game. Yeah. Well, but that's, again, again, it, it really isn't happening, like, on page. It's a... Yeah, like a like a described... Like, oh, yeah. yeah. That is very I think, true. I guess, it, I guess it probably is, yeah. Drinks, yeah. drinks poured for Andrew Hawk. Rest in peace, my man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rest in power. Rest in power. <laughs> but yeah, but that's, that's interesting that the... I guess the first... True. Well, we'll say on page described death of the book is this poor kid who's been dragged into this and strapped basically into a suicide bomb up the nose. It just gets liquefied right there. Like it's so brutal. And yeah. I think it's a, it's a great uh, sort of following action scene to, to follow the, the bank heist because the bank heist is exciting. We get to see a lot of fun powers. It doesn't go perfectly but they still win at the end they make the escape and everything's fine and yeah and nobody gets hurt exactly yeah no one gets hurt hurt. yeah exactly the the wards get beat up but they're fine and then we go right from that into this the the bakuda fight which is the a complete 180 the undersiders are outgunned outmatched on the run barely holding on people are dying like it's just such a flip such a tonal shift Outgun, yeah, yeah. <laughs> outnumbered, <laughs> outplanned. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Which uh, kind of takes me back to my uh, the, the the talk about Taylor and her powers. She is 
for all intents and purposes, trapped by a bully. And that is where she always makes her move. Mm. Also, quick note, um, absolutely love the way Wild Bo writes uh, her inner monologue while concussed. The like, mm. the, it's just the way it's written. Like she doesn't say she has. A, I don't think she says she's like, oh, I have a concussion. But it's very obvious when you're reading it. Like, oh, she got hit. She got rocked. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he does a little shell shock. Job. Yeah, yeah. You can you can kind of see the if this had been a different context, just kind of the are you okay? Like classic slow mo kind of feel to it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, exactly. Very, very well written for sure. Do we want to move off of the fight or do we want to talk? Let's talk powers real quick. Favorite powers. Yeah, favorite, favorite powers. Uh, one, whoa, we're not going to talk about the ending Hold chapter. On. Hold on. I don't we know have... if we move into that, but we're still in the power section. So let's talk powers. We'll do power quick. We'll do, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do quick favorite powers and then we'll go into the final, final chapter or so. Favorite powers. I do really love Bakuda. It is a scary and creepy power uh, and it is really good and I love it but I gotta say and I know we've we've talked about him already before but I just am such a fan of Alec in this Mm. in this uh, section here where he he overexerts himself with his power and we see what that looks like and kind of his whole harm giving away to spasms i'm just such a fan of him this arc of doing everything he can to to fuck up bakuda and yeah he came in clutch this this arc yeah yeah definitely the uh undersider mvp i think for for sure sure. yeah yeah for sure got some great moments um i know i know it wasn't featured much and i just want to preface this by saying I do not support anything that the man stands for but Kaiser's power is one of my favorite powers just visually this idea of somebody just creating metal out of everywhere just creating his own suit of armor the moment I read that you know I've I think uh, I'm I'm still kind of in my um you know how like guys have their sort of medieval fetish where they just love suits of armor and everything it's kind of like uh-huh. that where I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, like yeah, that's that's the good stuff. D- doesn't he make <laughs> a crown why. for himself too? Like he makes he... a crown for himself. Yeah. It's so it's extra, just... but I'm just like, oh yeah, baby, that's the yep. that's what I like to see. <laughs> and he opens the window oh without God. touching it, which means that he is controlling the metal within the object. Correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is in uh, theoretically, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I like to think he, it's not described, but he definitely made like a, a really thin sheet of metal cape as well. Definitely. Oh, of course. Just blowing in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> always no, and very forever. Cool. Very cool so yeah, power. so that's just always been kind of like my, I'm like, yeah, I don't know why it just is attractive to me. Otherwise, um, actually, I don't think there really is an otherwise. I think Bakuda's <laughs> power is interesting, but it's just like, you can make cool bombs. Woo. You know, I don't know. It just doesn't interest <laughs> me that much. But yeah. Just metal, metal yeah. generation. I also, it's probably cool. because I love metal bending too, like from Avatar The Last Airbender. So, yeah, it, does, yeah, it gives um, off those vibes. Metal bending is, yeah, kind of the same vibes. I like it. Any other, any other thoughts on powers? 
Uh, I like the Uber. I definitely thought that um, Leet was just hilariously one of the best described powers of the episode, just because literally he is what what um, Bakuda is, but it gets worse every time yeah. to the point where like his bombs like look like the the original Batman running with a yeah. bomb in his arms out to the harbor, Sometimes and it literally looks like a hologram. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact Great. that he literally has to get super creative and be like, "Oh, this isn't a bomb. This is like." A Z bomb because I can only make it once. You know, it's just it's such an interesting, such an interesting dynamic. Um, but best power would be Park Jihu. Rest in peace, King. Um, just literally, she's she's like, go ahead and shoot one of them, and he just drops the gun. He's like, I can't do it. No, he stood by his laurels. That is for sure. He he stood mm-hmm. by it, and for MVP. that, rest in peace, King. Right, yeah. Unlike that one girl who like immediately she's like, do you think you could have shot him? And she's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. Which, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Uber was really cool. Uh, just the simple ability she can be really good at things. You know, an easy, fun power. Yeah. You gotta love simplicity sometimes. I personally think that um, I know you guys had said that you thought Alec was the MVP. I thought Brian really was the reason that they got out of a lot of these sticky situations as they were running around because I mean, just the power to like take away. I mean, just block all light. Like it really is helping them in so many situations. The fact that they could just basically hide in plain sight with, his power and then you know he made his darkness look like him to the point where taylor thought that it was him getting run over um yeah that was cool i just think that he he did a lot this during this fight to protect everyone else and um i thought that was really impressive and i think taylor's power of will was really something to uh envy this this round because she yeah she definitely got rocked and still was the reason that they actually got out of the situation so yeah i would have given up i'll just pass out y'all go ahead i'm good i'm I'm done i got blown up therefore tapping out yeah somebody you know either i'm dead or i'm gonna wake up later but i'm done with this fight so yeah yeah but i definitely i mean i could see nick loving kaiser I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> you knew it was coming. Making, uh, you knew it was coming. I, I should have known. I should have known. I mean, sure. I'll just be like, I mean, unlike Nick, I don't stand with Kaiser, you know, but I do think. Oh my I'm God. Okay. <laughs> Jacob, did you give us yours? I didn't uh, specifically. I think uh, Bakuda, reading it, reading it for the second time, I interchanged. Reading it for the first time, Bakuda definitely was my favorite just, just for the creativity of her bombs. But reading it the second time, I, Uber and Leet together are just so fun to read about, and I love best. I love envisioning what their shenanigans looked like in their stupid cosplay, you know, costumes and all this running around town. I also like the idea that both of them they're written with so much potential. Like Lisa says, "Hey Uber, you could be so much more," and Leet has you know arguably just based on the description we have a really, really strong power. Like, he can make anything. And that, that together, they're just 
running around town playing video games. Yeah, it's just hilarious. I described them as Logan and Jake Paul, but because we love them so much, I'm going to recant that. Basically, this is just, I'm Uber, this is Leet, and welcome to Jackass. That is who, that is just Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O just doing the funniest shit. That's Uh, much, yeah, that's a good Absolutely, absolutely. So, I think they're my favorite. Mm. Onward to the end. Yeah, so our our last chapter here, we end with uh, chapter 11. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to mention part of this because uh, it's something we absolutely have to talk about uh, right before uh, Taylor passes out in chapter 10. She calls her bugs to her. Uh, and then, of course, she passes out in chapter 11. She wakes up in this weird uh, <laughs> kind of back alley doctor shop uh, where she gets patched up and they tell her, you know, you gotta send your bugs away because they're they're swarming. Uh, so she sends them away and they get taken home where Danny meets the gang finally and settles Taylor in on the couch. I I felt so stupid because I was sitting there in the moment just like, how are they going to explain this? Like, how are they going to explain all these explosions? And mm. they explained mm. all the explosions just like, oh, yeah, so there's a lot of explosions. And we kind of and I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah. The simplest possible ex- explanation. It's, it's such a great excuse just in general in the world. Oh, why were you late? Dude, this fucking supervillain came out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Right. Got thrown into my glory girl, kicked this white supremacist into my car. Yeah. It's kind of beneficial that they can kind of like hide in plain sight. Like, why are you so beat up? Mm. Well, there were bombs going off all over the city. And a Literally lot of people everywhere. got hurt. So why wouldn't yeah. these, why wouldn't Taylor and them be part of that? So I did think that that was clever. Cause I didn't know how they were. I was like, Oh, the dad is not going to be oblivious now. Nope. He still gets to be oblivious. So <laughs> he got to meet her friends and he was so sweet. Mm-hmm. What a cute oh. dad moment. Oh my God. He was anxiety baking. I know. Such a I love him. <laughs> Here's some cookies. Here's some bagels. Um, I got another bagel in the toaster. Y'all want to watch movies? Y'all watch movies. Like he was so yeah. sweet. And I just thought that like, it could have been completely different because we often see in like film and um, novels where it's like your kid makes new friends. You don't know them. Things, you know, it just, things feel off. And then, if she came back and ha- was hurt, like he would obviously, we would normally see the parents like blame the new friends versus yeah. like he obviously trusts them as her friends. And he hears that she opened up to them. And even though he's hurt, he's just glad that she's talking about mm-hmm. it with somebody. And it was just, it was just very sweet. Yeah. Um, and of course, Brian was holding her. So I'm obsessed with that. Yes, I know there's so many good Brian moments. I love too that. Yeah. We see Danny being different than most stereotypical parents, but I think acting more like a real parent would, Mm -hmm. if you had just found out that like a terrible thing had happened and your kids, friends who you haven't met find you and bring her home and are like, Hey, we took care of her. She's good. Like I'd be like, Oh, thank God. You know, but I I do feel like, yeah, cat, there's that stereotype of like TV parents who are like, what? How could you let this happen to my daughter? You can never see her again. And it's like completely irrational and doesn't feel right. But this feels right. And I also do love, I love that Lisa calls him Danny. I know. I just think that's really oh. funny. She's like, it's okay, Danny. I will <laughs> just, say, such a sweetheart. the fact that Danny 
was like, should I take her to a doctor? And Lisa's like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. And Danny's just like, okay. I'm like, dude, this girl is like 16, 17, maybe 18. Why are you listening to her? No, Your daughter yeah. just got blown yeah, yeah. up. <laughs> she said her dad was she a doctor say, and they went to his clinic. Yeah, yeah. she does I say know. that her dad's the doctor. But I just feel like, I just feel like as a parent, I would be like, mm, I think I want to, you know, talk to the doctor myself. Probably need a follow-up appointment maybe um, at some yeah, point. Yeah, as, as someone who works in a hospital, if a patient was like, no, no, like, I went to my friends who like had a doctor and, and they gave me a bottle of codeine. I'd be like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah. And I can say All as right, a parent, yeah. I'd be like, okay, cool. Show me the chart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I can understand in the moment it's your daughter. She just got blown up. Um, she was walking down an alley. She wasn't supposed to, but they had Brian with them. Mm. I literally, I wrote <laughs> that down specifically for Hannah and Kat to where they're just Brian like, yeah, we know that we shouldn't have been walking there, but I mean, we had Brian. But Brian. And, oh, and Danny's just so like, yeah. Big and scary and beefy. And strong and beefy. And muscular and, just, and what a hunky. Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> he is hunky. Hunky. <laughs> yes. Also, he, bless his heart, bless his little father heart, he put those blankets in the dryer yes. so they I would know. be warm so that he could bundle up his little daughter, his poor little concussed mm. daughter, on the couch with she's these so warm concussed. blankets. And she's so concussed. It was just such a sweet thing. Like, oh, man, this poor man. He's been out beside himself with worry. And and he's and he stress baked and he put the blankets in the dryer. And God, freaking Danny. I love Danny. I, I thought I love him so much. I thought it was so sweet when she was like, "Oh, I don't want to like be put down by Brian." By Brian. Um, <laughs> then she's like, "Oh, these are freshly dried like blankets," and I, I'm like, "Oh, I thought it wasn't gonna get any cuter, but it did get Aww. so much cuter." Oh yeah, she she even has the line like, "I was uh, I was upset about that, but then I like had the fresh blankets and I thought I could cope." <laughs> I could cope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and she was like cuddling with him. You know, she fell asleep and her oh. head was on his shoulder. And I'm like, oh, I love it. A bunch of concussed babies just hanging out on the couch together. I loved it so much. It's just so wholesome. It's so wholesome of that moment. And I feel like it ends the arc on such a good note because you have all of this awfulness. And I think uh, Alan and I had been talking about this earlier, but like sandwiching all of this good you know, on either side of like, what a great day to wake up and and tell Emma to fuck off and hang out with the gang and 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 bond and and uh, and then of course you know we all get blown up, but then we all get to hang out on the couch and watch movies and drink tea. She and waves to her dad, and she waves to her dad, and we just have a and moment where smiles. It's so wholesome. It's just so. Yeah, who knew a concussion could bring us all and together? Think about it from Danny's perspective. Like, yeah, your daughter just got bro- brought home because she was blown up. But he's seeing his daughter with two people that strongly care about yeah. her. And she's opening up to and like she's having a good time. Like she's smiling. She's happy. Like, maybe, yeah, it's a bad situation. Like she's injured and everything. But he's... I feel like his heart has to be so full watching so them full. like hang out because she's just obviously been so miserable. And mm-hmm. I just, I just, I'm just happy for Danny that he gets to see her with her friends. Yeah. When was the last time he saw Taylor? So just 
in general, just happy to exist. Because even if he's seen her smile in the past couple of months, it's been like that forced smile of like, well, I don't want you to worry, dad, you know, as opposed to this, where like the the camaraderie yeah. of them all together yeah. and, ugh. And, and it's a feedback loop too. Cause she even says like, that's the first time she's seen him genuinely smile mm-hmm. in a while is like looking at her genuinely smile. Like, Oh, but so sweet. I, I just can't help but feel this anxiety. And again, I'm, uh, I really <laughs> no, don't, don't remember. No, you don't. No, don't you bring your anxiety into this moment. I'm We're sorry. happy right I just, now. Yeah, we, we baked that all out. I need you to stop anxiety. <laughs> anxiously. I don't know how. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> All right. I'll get the anxiety out. I'm sorry. I apologize. I brought it up. I have no anxiety. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't either. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this was an all, this was just a great coming of age story. And the book like, ended literally, there. Literally, this is a. <laughs> yeah. Now this is a cheesy mm. coming of age movie, like teenage movie, where like, she gets up. She finally has the courage to tell her fuck off after she's met Brian for like cupcakes, had the strength to go to school. Then they have like the, we are all going to open up about our feelings together. And then, you know, the bullshit contrived event happens that they all have to overcome. And then it's back to the teenage movie again. And they're like, Oh, and then we like came back and all snuggled together and went to bed and we all live happily ever after. It's such a good teenage coming of age like hallmark movie yeah. and that's the story it. of how my life changed do 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 this was a made for nickelodeon tv uh, movie yeah, I and i love every minute minus all of the things that happened you know exploding like, and liquefying before. humans we're not even gonna think about toes. that what we're gonna do we're gonna take and repress take and repress that's right <laughs> and then one day you'll die <laughs> I, let me tell you though, I positive messages from Alan. 100% thought Brian was going to die. And I was like, I can't handle that. I can't. Don't you bring that evil in here. Yeah, don't you bring that negativity here. Setting it up for it. I was like, (gasps) when it didn't happen, I was happy. So many more arcs. I know. So many more arcs. I was worried because you guys have been setting me up for like emotional damage because you guys keep saying emotional damage. That's true. And I just was, I was a little concerned. People come and people go. I mean, what was it? Was his name Park Ji Ju Hing? Park Ji Hu. Park Ji Hu. Yes, sir. Yeah. Park Ji Hu. You know, first death we've really had. Probably not the last. Probably. I mean, one can hope, but you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a good. That's just a good. You know, a good state to be in while you're reading this is just just be a little on edge. You never know. You don't know what's <laughs> happening. Also, I know, I know we've been at this for a really long time and I would love to end this podcast on a happy note. So this section, Michael, you can totally move around if you need to, but we have to talk about the, uh, Taylor pulling the bugs to her in, in chapter 10, passing out and then being woken up because Lisa and Brian are like, we have had to board up the windows while you've been unconscious because your bugs have been swarming to you. With saran they have wrap. not stopped. Like we have had to, yeah, with saran wrap, board this shit up because you put out an order, you passed out, and your bugs are still following your order. Which is a Ooh. huge, like, mm. uh, superpower thing 
or Taylor that she probably wasn't aware of until now. And neither were we until now. Mm. And I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Give me all the, the like juicy thing. details of it is so creepy. Like, give me all the juicy details of what Taylor is capable of. Yeah. Oh, and I love just a this does not need to be a conversation, but I loved Alec freaking out about the idea <laughs> of just like 10,000 black widows in the basement in a sweatshop oh, making clothes. <laughs> the black widows in a sweatshop. <laughs> That's a great image. I'm so glad you brought that uh, up because I completely had forgotten about that too. Yeah, but I was yeah. like, man, Taylor, just end the story here and have her ma- have her be Edna. Yeah. Edna just, just mode. End yeah, just end yes. it here. Have her make superhero suits. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i know that all michael right. is michael is shaking his fist in anger i can see it from here so i'm gonna go ahead and give you some predictions okay so um like i said earlier i literally had written down at several points i was like does the do sex machina come in here does the do sex machina come in here because i just knew that um kaiser and empire 88 and um Oh my God, I cannot think of her name. Purity, um, how they were all going to just swarm in and just start fighting the ABB. So since they haven't, um, I definitely think that there's going to be some gang wars going on. Um, Since Lung is sprung out of jail, I definitely think that um, Kaiser being Mm. the knight is going to ride him since he's the dragon. Um, So that's going to be awesome. (laughs) Can't wait for, um, can't wait for um, white and yellow to get together. Um, That's going to be awesome. But then, uh, I thought about Brutus and I had the same thing that Nick thought where I was like, Oh, she just saved a ton of dogs. So Brutus just in my best Vin Diesel interpretation is just like, we have a herd and that is about to be awesome. (laughs) Powers may be strong, but not as strong as family. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cat predictions. Yeah. So, Obviously, I already said earlier that I think that it will not be. There cannot be many more of the fights that are this intense. Like the bank heist wasn't so much fighting um, as fending off versus this was like they really needed to survive. And I feel like there's not going to be very many more of those types of fights without Taylor causing some real damage to people. And I think that's going to result in her killing somebody at some point. I think that twice now Tattletail has gotten them into a pickle. Um mm-hmm. and you know cuz they really depend on her to know when they should walk into a situation or not and it seems like she's kind of failed them twice so I think there's going to be some significant consequences mm-hmm. um soon to like you know, they've gotten out of it, but I feel like the consequences are going to keep getting bigger um, for her kind of maybe not paying attention. I feel like she knows things. She's just not thinking like we're not paying attention to it. Like it seems like she's a little like spacey. So we'll see how that goes. And then um, I cannot wait because this will happen. I cannot wait for Taylor and Brian. to just. Oh yeah, baby. Get together. So. And, mm. and talk. No. Yep. And talk. <laughs> I mean, it's one of Brian's I don't think it's going to be a smutty book. Well I'm just, you know, but maybe there will be some kissy-kissy something. So. <laughs> some <Yep. laughs> I will say, Tattle, 
spoiler, but Tattletail's um, power is actually a brain tumor, and as it gets bigger, the power gets <laughs> no. worse until she dies. <laughs> spoilers, Taylor. God. Spoilers. Spoilers. All right, those are some those are some good predictions. We'll see how they play out. Also, I thought I did think one other really funny place we could put a put a what the fuck Taylor would be in character spoken by Alec after Taylor's like. So, how did you guys all trigger? <laughs> social what the, what the fuck exactly all right all right well we got some good predictions we talked we're gonna we're gonna keep this under two hours that's that's, that's impressive oh. all right michael we'll still have another segment after this jacob we- oh you're not you're not wrong you're not wrong thanks for reminding me look the people they love content and we're true. gonna deliver that is true you can't you can't say we didn't provide enough content yep, is though. it good I content would- it's content depending on depending on how complex future arcs get maybe we should split them into two episodes this is a lot and i feel like we're gonna have to start yep. splitting things up so yeah the arcs yeah. only get longer from here they, yeah. Yeah, true. complicated yep it's just gonna get to the point where it's like uh cat tell tell michael to tell hannah to tell alan to tell jacob to tell taylor to uh play us out all right. Hey, uh, Nick, can you tell Kat to tell Michael to tell him? <laughs> exactly. Michael's exactly. like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely keep that in mind moving forward. Uh, and for anyone who is listening and made it this far, congratulations. Uh, thank thank you. you. We we do really appreciate it. Uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And keep keep uh, keep reading along with us this has been a lot of fun a lot of fun for the new readers us us returning to it has been a lot of fun and we hope you're enjoying it as well uh I, the tentative plan i think we'll we'll say next episode is arc five although based on just recent conversations we might split that up but think in terms of of arc five for the next the next episode and with that we will we'll say good night and in part two our podcast is, is available for viewers like you Thank you. (laughs) Play us out, Michael. And welcome back to episode four, part two, where myself, Jacob, and Alan, and also Hannah today, going to be discussing how we would how we would approach arc four, uh, adapting it for television and film, screenplays, etc. So, guys and gals, let's get into it. How do how do we think? What, what do we th- what do we think of arc four in terms of? Uh, narrative beats and all of that and all of that jazz i love i love arc four i feel like we're really starting to get into some of like some more meatiness of of them as a group and how they coordinate together like in the bank heist we saw that but it was separated kind of in the the inside the bank and outside the bank but i feel like arc four we really see them struggling (laughs) as a team yeah, this is a really hard episode to write because there's so many things that I think need to be cut out or cannot be shown like in 
you know, in certain ways. So writing for this is going to be like really difficult to get around. Um, and at the same time, I think there's a lot that can be cut out here. Yeah. And who, buddy, am I here to fight Alan on every single possible thing he wants to cut? <laughs> That's Lovely. why I'm here today, ladies and gentlemen, to fight Alan. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. Uh, yeah. A lot, to, a lot to look over here. There's some important stuff in ARC 4 for sure that we want to make sure we get in. But uh, definitely, definitely stuff to talk through because I, I don't feel like there's enough in the ARC to justify an entire episode or even like half an episode. Um, but there's still some things we don't, we definitely want to make sure we get in that are important. Yeah, I think we, we combine it. We talked about adding in the, uh, the interlude from last episode with the wards right. having their talks. That is 15 pages of dialogue right there. Um, so I feel like that having that at the beginning would boost the rest of this to a full episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and truthfully, if there, there are two ways we could go about this one, which I know Hannah is on here just because she has contentions with <laughs> one is we cut out the whole Bakuda thing. Um, I don't think it needs to be there, but we'll get to that. You cut that out. You leave it essentially with just them having their, their talks as the back half of the episode and the front half being, uh, just the uh the the wards mm-hmm. the other option is that you add more to bakuda and you make it a full-on fight uh bank heist style where like it went for a bit and you make it its whole own episode um of them being like end one episode with like oh rachel's missing we gotta track her down and start the next episode with Oh my gosh, it's, you know, these two goobers only to reveal, oh, it's Bakuda and she's insane. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's tricky. I, I wouldn't, I don't want to, I, I definitely don't want to cut Bakuda because it leads to Taylor getting injured and the recovery. And I love the scene at the end of the arc with her, Ryan, Lisa, and her dad. Um, I think that's a really nice little scene. So I wouldn't, I don't want, I wouldn't want to cut it, but it is pacing wise. It is a bit jarring to go from the bank heist, which is a really fun action scene to a little bit of a break and then back into a chaotic action scene all within an episode or so, depending on how we split it. Um, Another option is just keeping it, but really condensing it. So, so keeping the scene, but maybe like cutting out a lot of the, a lot of the elements of the fight itself, maybe cutting out the chase that's built in there. And sort of having a much shorter confrontation, but still having the same results. Yeah, my my biggest issue with um, Ellen and I were talking about this earlier, but like our biggest, my biggest issue with cutting out the, the Bakuda fight is n- not so much of like, oh no, now Taylor doesn't have her, you know, her big head injury and the whole interaction with that and taking her home or whatever. But it's more of just like there's a bunch of little pieces in this fight scene that I think are really important, like a bunch of little details that are important to keep. So something and Alan, you can please jump in on this whenever because we were talking about this before, but um, kind of the idea of like, okay, well, if we did, if the Bakuda scene or the Bakuda scene was cut 
and kind of mashed in with the end of the bank heist. And we kind of like combined the two in a way to still get, you know, Taylor's concussion or whatever. Um, I, I think there's some really important things in that scene in the, in the bucket of fight scene that we have to like, we have to be in there. So something I was thinking of specifically is like, there's a little moment where there's an explosion that goes off and Gru protects Tattletail. He kind of throws his body over her and, Right afterwards, he kind of turns, looks directly at Taylor and says, um, you know, explains like, well, Tattletail's costume isn't built to protect her against heavy hits. And in a way, he's explaining her costume. So we're getting a little bit of an insight into Tattletail's getup. But also he's like, not comforting, but he's like saying, Taylor, don't be jealous. Don't worry. (laughs) Like, I'm just, I'm just protecting Lisa. Don't, don't, don't think something's going on here. But like that insight, that quick little thing, we see Brian's instinctual defense of Lisa. We see him kind of explain a little bit about her costume and we see a little insight into like maybe how he wants Taylor to perceive him. So like, don't think that I'm, you know, flirting with her or whatever (laughs) by protecting her from this bomb blast. So like, it's such a small little thing. But Mm -hmm. something like that, which, I mean, yeah, I guess you could move it to the bank heist, but, but Brian and Lisa don't fight together in the bank heist. So there's no purpose of him to, to do that. And there's a bunch of other little things, which I'm sure I'll get into and argue all of them. Um, But like a bunch of little moments like that, that happen in this whole fight sequence that I think if we cut, we're going to lose. I don't think there's much here that warrants like the even the 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 outfit thing they talk about the outfits and how taylor's is like way better than all of theirs earlier on like this shows it but they already talked about it like i and while it is a cool like oh look at him trying to defend like hey taylor don't be jealous like uh, we we kind of have the hint that Brian is already interested in Taylor like that. That's already the case. Like, I don't think anybody's under the impression that Taylor and Brian or like Brian and Lisa are even a thing. So, like, I don't think any of this adds enough to warrant like it's already been said elsewhere. We can scrap it. I understand where that's coming from, but I still think that this is just one of many small moments within this fight scene that. If we're going to cut, then we need to replace somewhere else, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is a perfect time to to make, like, to show what bitch is up to, honestly. If we were talking about, because we, you know, one of my favorite interludes for talking about how Wild Bo is great at writing point of view is the Brutus interlude. It's yes. so good. Yeah. And unfortunately... It's that's going to be the one that's on the chopping block immediately because it's just (laughs) it doesn't really add anything if you have it so like it's so separate and it's really cool, but it's not enough. However, as I'm looking at the layout of these, like that would actually be a perfect time. We talked about, you know, before about having like what what does Rachel do all day because she can't hang out with everybody. Um, What does she do all day? That's kind of a perfect aside of like, hey, where's bitch? I don't know where she is. Maybe just don't talk about like the missing money. 
you just lead into a quick little bitches out and about, you know, fucking around doing stuff comes back. Okay. doesn't ever get, you know, caught up with Bakuda. Maybe Bakuda just starts blowing up shit because she's insane. Um, and that kicks off the city, you know, that that's a perfect time of you've had this happy episode, you know, you, Mm-hmm. And the entirety of one and two basically is uh, a teenage, like everything's going perfectly. We get kind of a dip in like trigger events, which we'll talk about how we deal with those in a second. But ultimately, um, you know, it's a bunch of teenagers hanging out and having a good time until all of a sudden, where the hell is Rachel? And then you have this whole dealing with Bakuda stuff. I think we could kind of nix all that and have a generally happy. Everybody hangs out episode maybe even some come to Jesus moments about the trigger events in the later half that helps them bond and then finish with like, uh, this would be a great finisher uh, finish with, you know, where is bitch? And then bitch going out, hooking up, you know, the dog earlier, walking out, doing the whole uh, rating, the, I, I forget like the what dog it, fighting ring. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. dog fighting ring thing. Um, and, have her come out and like bomb go off nearby um, and bombs start going off through the city and everybody being like, what the hell just happened? Are you proposing then that like, okay, so we have the big bombs go off and then we don't talk about them engaging with the bombs at all. Uh, well, no, cause it leads perfectly into the next arc, which is, Hey, Bakuda is unhinged. She is trying to get revenge for whoever put, you know, lung behind bars, which is a perfect for like the undersiders know, but none of the other villains know uh, necessarily like she's try- she's out here, you know, just blowing up shit willy nilly. It's time for us to come together and put her down like that's still regardless of whether or not they are there during the inciting incident like Bakuda was going to blow up the city anyway. Bakuda just also wanted to get Taylor. Like, if you take yeah. Taylor out of it, Bakuda's still going to blow up the city. And the whole point being to get Lug out. Like, and you could even have, like, all the bombs are going off. Hey, what the heck happened? Lisa just goes, oh my gosh, it's an escape. And it's like, for who? And then she looks at Taylor's like, guess who? Or she could, gen- I mean, she could genuinely be randomly caught in a blast and get genuinely taken to her dad's house. Like that is also an option. So basically play out the story that they tell Danny of like, Oh yeah, she got caught in the blast and that's what's going on. And that's why she's here. That's why she has a concussion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there's, and this is going to be, this is a great arc to sort of, sort of uh, begin these conversations. Cause Ellen and I have joked in the previous episode so far that the way Wild Bow Rote Worm, the serialization of it, the nature of it, is is very uh, uh, makes it makes it for it makes it very easy to adapt yeah. for television. It just sort of written that way. He writes for cliffhangers. He writes for moments like that. So that type of framing is already sort of built in. But it's also one point six million words and thirty arcs <laughs> that we have to condense. Um, and another thing to consider too that we have to keep in mind is that. As an audience, like if you're taking if you're taking an audience that doesn't have any affiliation or, or knowledge of the source material and they're watching the show for the first time, um, Taylor's a fascinating character, 
really fun POV character, but you cannot devote even 90% of the show to one character's point of view, or you just, you just fall into these sort of really long drawn out arcs that, that take forever to complete. People get bored. You want to see other characters. People are going to have other favorite characters. Most people's favorite characters in a show is not the protagonist. It's going to be some cool side character, someone in the background. Um, The comparison I've been making as I've been rereading this is to just for both POV and it's a similar concept, but Invincible on Amazon Prime. Mm. Invincible is your protagonist there, and he's a majority of the POV, but he's not the only character that the show follows. There's a few other characters that you cut to yeah. Uh, conveniently, in order to get, uh, in order to get, you know, expand the world building, all this kind of stuff, and so I think I think we're definitely going to need some of that. I think having some sort of clip with bitch is perfect for either her getting caught or the dog fighting. If you want to do it, I think you need something like that in here. Um, the ward interlude is great; that's very helpful. We already have that. Um, you could even do a, a couple quick clips of Bakuda. And the ABB, you know, things like that. So there's other ways we can sort of expand and and reinforce, you know, the ideas that we want to make sure get get uh, translated from from the story to the to the series. Um, with Bakuda's fight, I think the big the two big things that we've already mentioned is one, she has personal beef with Taylor, which I think is important, especially yeah. because not to spoil anything, but obviously it's not the last we see of Bakuda. She comes back. We want to build to that confrontation. And then uh, two, the bombs, right? So the terrorist attack, the freeing of lung, all that kind of stuff is pretty important narratively. It helps sort of set up the next couple arcs. So we definitely want to make sure we're including that to some degree. It doesn't have to be exactly a one-for-one copy, and I don't think it should be. But we definitely want to include it in some fashion. My unfortunate thing that I think we need to cut, at least for this part, maybe give them an appearance later, is Uber and Leet. They feel really out of place. Yeah. They feel really out of place. I love them so much. They're some of my favorite characters in the story. They're such Twitch streaming, live streaming. (laughs) These two would be on TikTok 100%. Yeah. And they're just, yeah, I I, I would hate to get rid of them, but shoot, like, yeah. Like Bakuda, you can throw Bakuda into the next arc because mm-hmm. you're, you're everybody's fighting Lee or Oni Lee and Lung, so mm-hmm. you've got one of his lieutenants there. Why not add Bakuda? Like, yeah, yeah. There's definitely, and I think I think we're gonna have a fun a fun time coming back to all of this after we finished, like with, you know, our theoretical season one or whatever that may be. And sort of restructuring elements and, and kind of as we remind ourselves of the arcs as we've been rereading them here, we might go, oh, you know what? We could easily put Bakuda here or, you know, oh, we could we actually we really should expand it here and instead cut stuff down the line. So it's going to be interesting to kind of come back and, and reorganize that. But I think you're right. I think I think there's we have a lot of a lot to play with here. And I think we can we can structure it in such a way that we don't miss a lot of the small things, but we may have to definitely move them around yeah um even as like i'm thinking about we just had uh if we split arc three into two parts we just had a big fight arc Mm -hmm. um you know this is our rest arc if you will ends with an explosion somebody's getting bombed the next arc would be if we kept in bakuda 
an all Bakuda episode. Like we're having to deal with the entirety of the the bomb threat thing. Mm-hmm. Or skip that. And the next episode is the villains meeting up, saying, hey, we need to kill them. And then them potentially going and attacking. Uh, and we can move. There's some school drama there. But, you know, the next episode potentially could be straight into the, hey, we're the villains. We all need to go take down the ABB. And when they're done with the ABB, you can move. Uh, the episode after that has kind of some random bullshit of like finishing off the ABB uh, and some mundane stuff. So you could move the uh, some of the school stuff ahead of the big warehouse fight later on uh, where they finish up with the ABB. Yeah, and that's and that's a good point. The school scene in particular is a great scene. I definitely wouldn't want to cut that. But it, that is one that could easily be moved and maybe maybe would even fit better placed ahead a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's definitely an option as well. Hannah, was there something else that, we'd, that we had uh, mentioned cutting? Um, I, I know with, with cutting, I, I guess my thing is, is if we're going to cut or move, you know, Baku- I, I think I'm more on board with the idea of moving a lot of the Bakuda conversation because I think... Like I said before, I think there's a lot of little things in there. So like one of those things is Tattletail catching on to Bakuda a little too late. And like we've already seen at the bank heist, she tells Taylor, like, don't tell the guys, the other guys that I kind of messed up. So we're seeing another mm-hmm. mess up here from Lisa. So like, I think that that's important to keep to, to, to really show that like Lisa isn't, you know, she isn't all powerful. Um, so I think that's important to keep. So we can transition that to the next episode if we need to in a Bakuda scene. I think showing Bakuda's unhingedness, of course we have to have that, but we, again, we can move that. Um, I think the, uh, kind of, I understand what Alan, what you were saying before about kind of having this pendulum swing of like super high intense episode and then like a more chill episode. But honestly, that just makes me think of like having a beach episode in anime. Like it's too early for a beach episode. It's too early for a chill episode. (laughs) Like we still need to have some high stakes going on. And I think that even if the high stakes are worst bitch at the end of the episode, I think that's not enough. And having some stuff in there still somehow, I'm not quite sure we need to have also the classic, you know, the, the, to me, the most one of the most important things regarding Taylor with this Bakuda fight scene is when she calls her bugs to her, she gets knocked out, and they're trying to wake her up at this back alley doctor's office, and the room has been boarded up to keep her bugs out. I think that is an incredibly important detail about Taylor's powers that we have to keep early on whether that's in this episode or in the next one or at the you know end of the bank heist if she gets a concussion i think it's incredibly important to show um uh, how do i say this without spoilers uh giving sort of how intuitive how yes sort of absolutely and her her classification you know yeah yeah and and that showing that like there is there is a deep connection she has with her bugs that it's, she can, she can make a statement. She can pass out and they are still going to follow her, you know, her command as it were, even if she's passed out cold. Yeah. 
it's a longer payoff, but that is definitely something that is sets a precedence for later on. Yes, and, definitely. And foreshadowing is important. Like you want to, you want to yes, have that in yes. early, so that the payoff, however late it comes, feels earned. And that's yeah. one thing about any sort of story, but it's so true in television and film. Is like mysteries should not come out of left field to the audience. Mm, the audience yeah. should solve them, right? Because that that one is more satisfying. Two, for the audience, it makes them feel rewarded for paying attention, even if it's yes. really simple, right? Like, even if it's such an obvious foreshadow or an obvious, like, plot point, yeah. when you solve that, it, like, it's, it's just rewarding and feels good. So, like, those little things are, are really, really important to start laying now so that when those payoffs do come, it, it hits, right? We want that to hit. Yeah. Let me, let me ask this to both of you, because I think this would be fun, just as a, as a quick kind of hypothetical Let's let's hypothetically let's put let's move the Bakuda fight like forward an episode or two. Um, mm-hmm. And Michael, we're probably going to ask this question a lot. Would you mind just checking on the pronunciation because I don't know if I'm I've, saying I've it been, right. I've been thinking the same thing. Is it Bakuda <laughs> so, or Bakuda? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know I what it is, <laughs> but we probably are going to have that question a lot. Yeah. yeah, I know from some of the pronunciation guides. There are ones that like, dang, I've been saying that wrong this whole time. Yeah. And there are others like uh, a certain uh, very French-sounding name further on. Mm-hmm. Yep. That <laughs> yeah. I, yep. Wild Bo has said the correct way to pronounce it, and he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. such a terrible alternative to what his name should be, and I hate it. <laughs> okay, before we tangent too hard, because we could spend a long time there, um, so hypothetical, move, let's move Bakuda for this hypothetical forward in episode. So we have, we have some time in episode four now to explore. If we, if, if we want to keep sort of the pace moving so we don't slow down too hard, right? Is there a scene that isn't described in the book or an interlude or something like that that you would want to see expanded on that we could do in like a television episode? So, for example, I'll, g- I'll give you an example. One thing, for example, we could do this if we wanted to, right? We could show Lung's escape, right? We could show them breaking him out. Do like, a, you know, the scene that comes to mind is at the end of uh, Daredevil season one, right? Breaking out of mm, Kingpin. He's yep. got his monologue. Yep. Great scene, right? Fantastic scene. We don't have to give Lung a monologue, but right. But we could still build tension, have some excitement built into a breakout or something like that, right? So are, is there something like that, another scene or a moment that you would want that we could expand on? I, I mean, I like the idea of Bakuda either taking hostage a, like, newsroom, you know, doing the whole, hey, everybody here's rigged, and that I'm broadcasting this everywhere kind of mm-hmm. ordeal. Um, th- you know, Bakuda's got that Joker unhinged mentality. Uh, or just we as the audience see her being unhinged with a bunch of people, you know, strapped up with bombs and then, you know, all the city bombs going off and her being like, yeah, like go do my bidding now. And then they, you know, ambush the truck that's taking him. And, you know, it's a bunch of hostages, you know, holding guns and stuff getting the guys in the truck to come out and they're all like, you know, I'm so sorry. Like she's making us do this, but also get on the ground. Otherwise we're all going to blow up. Um, 
And then, of course, she breaks Lung out and Lung's like, I've got a bone to pick with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't say who. And Bakuda, you know, just the bombs are going off all over the city uh, at that yeah. point. I think it's, you know, great pan up through the city as things are on fire and just. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do like the idea of showing, you know, more of all the bombs that are going off because then when Lisa tells Taylor's dad, Danny later of like, Oh, well you saw the bombs going off, right? Well, yeah, we got caught in that. Like, yeah, these are everywhere. Like they are going off all over the place. It's not just a couple spots here or there. It is a huge distraction. So I think potentially having more of, of that I'd, I'd be, I'd be cool with, I, I can't think of anything else specifically with this that comes to mind. Although what Alan said earlier about having the, that like bitch and, um, is it Brutus? Brutus. Brutus yeah. I just, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. I, I, I do, do really like that. I do want to, I think it's important to give, um, to give each of the undersiders some moments. So I think that, that a, a scene for bitch would be great. Another thing we haven't talked about, but who does get an opportunity to really shine in the um, in the Bakuda fight is Regent, right? We don't really see him. Mm. We see him shine a little yeah. bit in in the um, in the bank heist, but not much. But he's got a lot of great moments in this fight that you know. Again, if we're going to move it or cut it or shorten it, we want to make sure we're not uh, we're not forgetting about him because mm-hmm. he's the type of character that's going to have fans. As people are going to like oh, for all sure. the un- all the undersiders are. So it's important that they all have moments that we can highlight too. Yeah. It's the first time we see him overextend himself. Yes. That's what I was yep. going to say. Cause we're yep. not really seeing what it looks like to exert your power to an, to a point where it's causing you physical damage. Because like, even with the bank heist, you're seeing some of these crazy hero capes that are like literally crushing themselves, you know, flying into pavement and whatnot and getting back up and, and, you know, sort of being fine. But like mm-hmm. with, with, him we really see that like this is what it looks like for him specifically to overexert and how that can have a huge you know kickback right yeah completely agree also uh real quick for a pronunciation i found this thing that's talking about bakuda and it, or bakuda and it's the feminized bastardization of the japanese word bomb bakudan which makes me think it's bakuda Yep, correct. But oh, interesting. I, correct. Okay, cool. yeah, I was going to chime in. <laughs> yeah, yes. Ba-kuda. So it's that emphasis on the ba. Yeah. And then ku- kuda. Ba-kuda. Yeah, exactly. So bakuda. Bakuda. We'll just short it to baka. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and and that I do love. I do love the thought that Wildbo puts into all of his names, <laughs> even if it, it even it. If, even when they're silly, there's still something there. I love it. Okay, bakuda. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Um, I mean, I love the mundane moments of, you know, Danny and the undersiders, but, uh, I feel like that's another thing that given, you know, given the dangers that happen and the stuff that happens, I feel like that could get moved to somewhere else. Um, if we had me, I don't want to, I don't want to get rid of it. I don't want to get rid of it. I'm just saying that maybe it moves to somewhere else. I, okay. So while I, I definitely say we can't get rid of it. My argument against moving it is so thinking about pacing and the overall pacing of where Taylor and her dad's relationship 
is or is moving to. We have very much the beginning. They are not talking. They are not communicating to, okay, she's with the undersiders. She's communicating more now. She's opening up a little bit. She seems happier. He's recognizing it, but clearly she's holding back. This moment of them, you know, he's he's making her, you know, bagels and they're all sitting on the couch and he's met the undersiders now. There is such a moment of like shared shared understanding maybe of like Taylor and Danny are getting a little bit closer in this moment where Taylor has not on purpose, obviously, because she was passed out and concussed, but like has let Danny into part of her world a little bit, which he has felt so much on the outside of that. This is in a way starting to repair the damage that has been between them for so long. And I think it's a good place to have it, to have this kind of point where maybe Danny is feeling like, you know, obviously this is a terrible thing that happened to Taylor, but we are, you know, repairing things slowly. She's letting me back in. She's, I'm, I'm seeing part of her world again. Only, you know, to have whatever might happen in the future happen. I'm trying not okay. to spoil, but, you know, like I think it's a good location to give us a little bit of hope that Taylor and Danny might be repairing their relationship here. Yeah, I feel like you're still coming at this from like a reader perspective than a writer perspective. Like I, I'm coming at so coming we, of it more as a as a as a viewer being emotionally invested in the relationships that's happening here. So this is I still think making this the the beach episode, if you want to call it that works as kind of a through line leading up and finishing with that as a good conclusion um, that still has this like. Uh, the, the like coming of age movie, if you want it to be that, um, you know. Uh, Taylor has a great day, um, hangs out with the friends, maybe talks trigger events, has that bonding moment somehow uh, where they don't necessarily tell their trigger events or maybe she does. And we get to like them just talking about it, enjoying themselves. You know, we maybe even cut to bitch in between where bitch goes out for the day, bitch does her thing, cut back and then be like, wait, Oh, where's bitch? And be like, Oh, bitch, like always doing uh, you know, her thing over like, yeah, she walks around the docks and they like gesture that way. And that's when you have the bombs go off, like literally pointing like, oh, yeah, she hangs out like over there walking the dogs around the docks. Bombs go off right where they're pointing. And then they get up and start to move and are like, oh, my God. And then a bomb goes off on the dock. They start waking up on the beach. Taylor got the brunt of it um, somehow, like you know, you don't have to explain exactly how that, but Taylor got the brunt of the bomb. Uh, and they, you know, they wake up, they're hauling her somewhere. Uh, and then they end up at the house. And so just cutting I, the confrontation with Bakuda all together and just, yeah. Cause then you get them. It's, but we're it's still talking a about good conclusion. It, right? Yeah. Moving still talking about Bakuda. moving it. Yeah. Up okay. one, to the next one where they're just fighting all of the ABB at once. Right, right. I see what you're saying. Um, but in this case, it's the group is still together. They're still helping her out. It's them being together, going to her house and like setting her down and having the conversation with Danny, like, and him being there. So you still keep that through line of opening up. Danny has now met her friends. The friends have met her dad. They've talked trigger story, you know, now. Uh, I think this is a good, very 
like even at the end where they're blown up, they're all dragging poor concussed Taylor home. It's still that the group is still together. Like it's still a yeah. feel good. And at the end of it, you know, it that's your feel good episode to wake up to the next episode being like, Hey, what the heck's going on? Or even end that episode with like them feeling good. And then the pre credit right at the end is lung getting broken out of the, uh, the armored right. car and him being like, I've got a bone to pick with one person in particular. You could uh, even, you know, it would be fun if you want to play it that way is you could be cutting throughout the episode, maybe once or twice to Bakuda and her group. Maybe you throw a Uber and Leet for some fan service, uh, planning this <laughs> Uber breakout. Uber and Leet as fan service. I know, God yeah, right. bless. That's <laughs> uh, literally what they are. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but you could be cutting to them, like coordinating the, or, or, or doing this breakout, but not really. Uh, keying the audience into exactly what they're doing. Like maybe it, you make it look like it's a robbery, right? Like they're following an armored car around, something like that. And you're cutting back and forth. So that at the end of the episode, when they're, because I think in this, in the, in the actual arc in the chapter, right? It's a, um, it's a news broadcast, right? Where they say, yeah, you know, I mean, we could that, change it up to a you, Twitch stream. <laughs> you oh. could. Actually, that's not, would be fun. That's like not that. a bad idea, actually. And that's and oh okay I it like that. It kind of keeps actually. us away from that like cliched uh, yeah. news stream too. I but mean e- now but either way, we are literally moving to the cliched Twitch stream, which is <laughs> what we do nowadays. <laughs> see mean, yeah. see the new Batman movie. But either way, or you know what, <laughs> sure. you could even combine it. You could even combine it. So like you do you do them. They're relaxing. They're having fun. You get the nice moment of them at home. They turn on the TV and it's the news or something like that. And the broadcaster says, then we cut to uh, the stream of Uber, Uber and Leet live yada yada and then now the camera the point of view can cut from inside the house to the actual breakout and you can watch now and then you get the payoff of seeing oh what was Bakuda and her gang doing that whole time oh it was breaking lung out and so you get the reveal of lung at the end you get a little bit extra stuff with Bakuda so that feels earned and then you can even cut back you know into the room for a final reaction before the episode ends uh you know sort of bring that all so you still have a, a little bit of a of a teaser or a tag at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that. Um, I do like I, cutting to the super elite stream though. That would I be really like funny. I, I, I like them. I think that there's such a fun couple of characters that are of course relevant to the nerdy community today, but man, I, th- I just don't see them being important enough to keep in a lot of this. Like, Oh, certainly not. And I mean, there's other ways, of course. Again, there's like 500 characters in this story. We're gonna I have was about to them. say, there's um, so many of them. But there's other ways. Time. But they could have, I mean, obviously you can have them playing on a TV screen in the background. You could have a poster up. You could have a, a reference to the stream. You know, you could put, you, we can drop Easter eggs throughout the story and other, and other parts where we're fans of, of you know, serial can, can point, you know, and say, hey, there they are. But yeah, no, I mean, obviously we're going to have to, we're going to have to trim or cut a lot of characters and they are, they're on that chopping block for sure. Yeah. And then I think you move, you move the, uh, the purity episode. Oh yeah. I think the opener to the next episode has to be moved. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, mean, we didn't really mention that, but yeah, that was pretty, I'd be okay skipping it almost. I I Uh, am too. I, I, I just, I mean, I think it's definitely, 
you know, interesting is a little bit of a, you know, peek into the leader, but I just, it's to me, it doesn't, I, I don't feel like it offers the same amount of insight, you know, yeah, as some of our yeah. other. The only yeah. thing, the only have. thing that I, that I like that it does, and this is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stay as vague as possible here. Um, <laughs> The only thing that I like that it does is that at this moment, we don't know who's bankrolling the undersiders, and there's a yeah. several options. There's several options. And I like the idea of introducing a few of these options, yeah. uh, mm. which we have been doing, mm. um, just to sort of keep everyone guessing. And that interlude does a great job of that. That's um, true. And you don't have to do the whole Ooh. interlude, because I agree, I, I don't think it really works to do that whole story with Purity and all of that. But Ooh, even just having yeah, a moment yeah. or something like that that we could cut to, uh, maybe reward it a bit, we should definitely play around with that. Oh, I have a thought. I have a thought. I have a thought. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what if we did like in this moment when we're at the end where we're showing the bombs going off, we're showing, you know, a, a kind of shocked Danny and grim undersiders on the couch. We're, you know, swapping back and forth. We're showing, we're realizing, oh my God. Lung is out, you know, tail, you know, they're all sitting there and they're like, what's going on? You know, Lisa's like, oh my God, they're letting lung out, blah, blah. We have a moment up in this skyscraper overlooking the city of this guy standing at a window. And, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like we have a slow pan out and he turns and is it purity or unity? I can never remember. Purity. Purity. Purity, purity. Yeah. purity is kind of there glowing beside him. And he like gives her this look and they don't even have to talk. It's just kind of, oh, who's this person? Who's this person yeah. looking down? Who's this glowing person? Okay, who are you? And so we have an understanding of like, who's this glowing person? Who is this scary man up in the building overlooking the city who's clearly in a position of power? Like having these characters potentially in a place where we recognize them when we see them again later mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. playing that up a little bit more. I, I with the conspiracy theory of like who is the employer, I think the way that you word uh, the conversation between the two, they had it. You could very make it much make it sound like how the undersiders have been put together um, and allude that Max is, in fact, the one who's done this um, mm -hmm. also for future future seasons. This is a little bit of an important show of mm. Theo. Yes, but but yeah. Theo does. Oh my God, that's so spoiler. Theo does get important stuff later on um, yeah. for what we would consider season two. Um, Theo does get enough face time there that uh, this would be just kind of a tease. So we really don't even need him there. I mean, I mean heck, if we're if we're going to condense it to a tease. We could put Theo up there too. How spoilery are we getting, you guys? How spoilery is this getting? <laughs> we're not. We're. You know what? We're fine. We're fine. No one has to. If they Google stuff, if anyone who doesn't know and they're going to Google, that's on them. <laughs> also, what did I say? Theo is important. Okay. Yeah. 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 He's a character. <laughs> so is So is Max. Ev, all of them are important, <laughs> except apparently Uber and Leet. Yeah, they're not important. That is true. That is. They're just true. beloved. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you could even put, you could even put Theo in the penthouse with them. Uh, you could have him in the background, you know, if you, if you wanted to restructure this, uh, condense it. But yeah, I but, mean, there uh, is a small bit later that I think also we can cut out because yeah, uh, that also involves purity. 
Um, I'll be honest, I glaze over every time I read. So that's probably an indication that in the future, it's going to get cut. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll definitely reach there. Uh, I think we're getting a little long on time. So let's touch on probably the last important thing in this arc that we haven't really mentioned, but I think is, is worth some, some discussion, which is, um, the discussion they have about their trigger events, um, which is a great bit of writing when you're reading it as a reader, but is a bit difficult to convey visually, Mm -hmm. but is still really important. Mm -hmm. So we definitely don't want to cut it. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Alan and I was one of the things we had talked about earlier. Alan actually had a great idea for this. Go ahead. Um, Go Alan. Oh, Oh, well, you know, I had the idea of all the, I'm not even sure I'm going to be talking about the same one. But I would love for this to be just a very, for any time we talk about trigger events, a 15 second, very dark clip. you very horror movie-esque. Um, like flashback, and, you mean? Yeah, flashback. Yeah, and yeah. not even necessarily exactly what happened. Like the literal, this is what happened back in time, but maybe a more metaphorical. So for Taylor, mm-hmm. she's in a hallway full of people that she gets shoved into this locker. It's terrible. Um, she's trying to get out. Um, I think we go the metaphorical route, dark hallway, panning towards the locker that's getting banged on, the flickering lights, you know, the bugs, the blood, all that. Um, and that's it. That's all you have. And uh, Jacob, you shared it with me, a lovely yes. worm artist. Yes. Uh, YouTube channel is called Adaptation VFX. Mm-hmm. Literally has that yes. scene. Uh it is but so but in the daytime, still very horrific. Um, yeah, called the Locker, a worm animated short. Um, but I think as we talk about the extra stuff that happens during trigger events, uh, there's a debate whether we put that now or whether we put that later. Yeah, <laughs> I I really love that 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 video. I think it's, I think it literally shot for shot is perfect. I think it could be shortened yeah. a little bit, but that slow pan towards the locker, her banging on it, the flicker of, you know, between the outside view and the inside view, the, the close up of the bugs, the claustrophobicness of that moment. It doesn't have to be long. Literally, like Alan said, 15 seconds, keep it super, super short keep it super sweet basically mm-hmm. and and just have a little little you know moment where you know even for for the script have taylor be talking about it and you know and then have a moment where we have that back she's back in the locker and she's almost reliving it again and kind of that moment where she like we have this you know the breathing we the heartbeat and you, everything's freaking out and then cold cut to like her back in that burger joint again. And she kind of glances up and she's like, yeah, it wasn't my best day and kind of have this Mm, kind mm. of like, we don't need to spend a ton of time in it. We don't necessarily even need, you know, her voiceover explaining while it's happening. She can just say like, there were some really bad bullies. They put me in a locker full of old tampons and there were bugs in there. We have the weird little flashback moment, cut back to her. She kind of snaps out of it and then kind of, have that conversation settle back into the moment there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, just to touch on, on what Alan was saying briefly there too. 
I don't think we need to include much more right now, but I do think this warrants a conversation at a later point. Yes, um, sure. Again, not, not to get into spoilers, we're not going to do any of that here, but there's certainly, there's a lot of exposition that'll come in later seasons. And, you know, we, I, I think it would be prudent to foreshadow or tease that to some degree, but, but probably not yet would be my line of thinking. Mm, yeah. Keep, keep yeah. some of that in the dark. Keep some of that suspense going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it, it makes it hard when writing this uh, because, you know, how, how do you show it off? Do you have it be all flashback? Do you have it, you know, be voiceover and flashback? Do you have it be, uh, you know, just them talking about it, you know, monologuing? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then to have like one after the other, because you have Brian's immediately following, yep. feels a bit awkward as well when you just yeah. had that tense moment. Um, and I don't know if you would even have Brian's because I know what I want Brian's to be. Um, so talked about it. It's him just rushing out of the cab, picking up his sister, putting her in the cab, turning around. His mom's boyfriend's there and he, you know, does the the Henry Cavill shotgun hands really reload. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. And, and that's and that's it. And that's you know, it. Yeah. 10 seconds in and out. I, I also think it's you know, we, we can also save some of these individual flashbacks um, for uh, later points, right? Yes. So I, I think, think Brian's could be saved. Brian's could be saved. I think Regent's could be saved for uh, his interlude, which I think is mm-hmm. a, would mm-hmm. be a really great time for that. Um, yeah, so again, we don't have to put it all right here where it is in the, in the arc as well. Um, we could definitely space that out. I think it'd work too. All right. Any other any other final thoughts before we wrap it up? Oh, I think I think we're um, good. Something oh. something I was thinking of. And I'm sorry. This is just something I've been no, go for in it. my head. Um, Alan and I were watching a thing recently about uh, how sound and um, music can help kind of break the tension of a moment, and it can help um, make the audience feel a little bit more uh, comforted. Or in like a horror movie, you know, a raise raise the the tension of the you know impending scary clown oh it was uh Mm -hmm. by your recommendation jacob uh, it was the (laughs) captain christian uh video on studio ghibli and sound yes Yes. it was so good and it just makes me think about that with these trigger events that like in in that video they talk about how the japanese version of the film versus the american version of the film in the japanese version you hear the feet running you hear the kind of ambient sound but there's no music it's just Mm. holding the tension and it is an uncomfortably long silence silent section but in the Mm. american version they added music to kind of cut the tension or i don't know add the tension and the reasoning was because american audiences felt uncomfortable not having music there and i think that with these trigger events they should, you should be uncomfortable. You should be incredibly yeah. uncomfortable. And I think that if we utilize that in this section specifically, not using, you know, I don't know, tragic music or, you right. know, panicked music, but the, just the overwhelming sound of the heartbeat, the breathing, the bugs, and that, yep. that, that over until it, until it completely overwhelms your, your senses. And I, I love the thought of that and i think that's also something that could be carried through the show 
in a lot of places. Like don't make the audience feel comfortable by adding music or don't make the audience feel comfortable by adding a cut too soon, you know, draw it out. Let, let us sit and feel it. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Great Mm -hmm. thoughts. Great Mm -hmm. thoughts. Definitely gives us a lot to work with as we try to put the, these thoughts to paper here as uh, we construct this thing. But it's, it's I'm literally starting to write that section right now. So I've got to <laughs> figure that perfect. out. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, guys. This has been great. Thanks, Michael, for uh, yeah. keeping us on track. And thanks for everyone for listening, whoever, whoever is listening. We appreciate it. And if you want to uh, continue listening, we're going to be picking up in the next episode with arc five. So go ahead and give that a read. Plus the interludes. Mm. We'll be discussing that uh, in greater detail. And until then, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Read along with us at parahumans.wordpress.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What did you love? What did you hate? anything you think we missed, etc., as long as it's kind. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit at Brockton Bay BC, or click the link in the description.